This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mass Bay Guides. Mass Bay Guides is our family-run charter fishing fleet that's based out of Situate, Massachusetts. We've been providing anglers with the ultimate fishing adventure for over 20 years. Whether you're looking to put together a multi-boat corporate fishing trip, a trip for your family, or you're an avid angler looking to catch a giant bluefin tuna, our crew will do anything it takes to make sure you and your friends and your family have a great day on the water. To book a trip with us, please visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can search prices, trip information, and get the latest reports and links to our social media pages there. You can also find us directly on Facebook and Instagram and just search Mass Bay Guides. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Costa Sunglasses. If you didn't know already, Costa makes the best fishing sunglasses in the game as far as we're concerned. They've been the only sunglasses that Taylor and I have worn for the last decade. The honest, honest truth. That's all we've worn for, for the last 10 years um, of our fishing career. Whether you go with uh, the blue mirror lenses for your bright, clear days offshore, we use those a lot for the canyons or you decide on the green mirror lenses for inshore shallow water applications, you really can't go wrong with, with any of the lens colors that contain their, their 580 color enhancing polarized lens technology. All of the frames are high performance, high quality. Personally, I'm a big fan of the Fantails. I don't have a super big head. They're a medium frame fit. They've been my go-to frame for the last 10 years. Um, I have them in three different lens colors, blue mirror, green mirror and the new sunrise silver, which has been awesome on overcast days, which anyone who tuna fishes knows those are the days that we dream about, but those have been, those have been great. That new color lens has been awesome. If, uh, if you visit costadelmar.com, you can see all of the products they have to offer and pick yourself up a pair. Costa sunglasses, see what's out there. This episode is also brought to you by deep. New England born and bred, Deep is inspired by the fit of the skate and surf retail world, anchored in the technical aspects of the outdoor and offshore fishing apparel market. Deep designs clothes that bring comfort in the elements and also at the bar and restaurant. If you visit shopdeep.com and use the promo code CBROS35, that's with a capital S E A B R O S 35, you'll get 35% off your next order. Our newest sponsor to the podcast is LT Marine Products. Since 2011, LT Marine has been designing and developing innovative, unique, and high-quality American-made sport fishing equipment. Taylor and I have known the crew at LT since they started. Chris is a great guy. Uh, We've been using every single piece of equipment um, that he's he's made over the last several years. his rod holders are extremely heavy duty and high quality. He has the machining equipment to be able to put your boat name on the face plates um, and do other custom work as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and recently, over the last couple of years, we've worked with him to develop some new products that have actually been very popular amongst the the Northeast um Northeast fishermen, specifically offshore and uh, and tuna fishermen. So two of those products have been his uh, his swim hook for if you're harvesting a big big giant tuna, um, 
you know, you want to take care of that fish as, as best you can prior to bringing him on board. And part of that process is after the fight, swimming the fish, you know, for a certain amount of time, kind of depending on the health of the fish and, and how the fight went, but usually ends up being around an hour to get all the lactic acid out of the muscles and, and give a, a better product at the end of the day when we, when we sell our, when we sell our fish. So we helped him design a, an affordable swim hook to be able to tow the fish behind the boat at a low speed and, and accomplish that goal. So, um, that was a pretty cool product that we, that we collaborated on. And another one is, uh, the new LT Marine, uh, release hook. We've been doing a lot of release fishing for giants uh, over the last couple of years with the way that the quota, the quota has been open and closed. So we've really had a need for a way to properly revive these fish and get them back into, uh, into good health upon release. So um, if you go on the LT Marine website, you can see the release hook there. Uh, you can also go on our Instagram, Facebook, and see how we have it rigged. But it's a it's a tool that we've implemented um, into our our process aboard our boats, and and it um, it makes releasing fish a lot safer for the crew, a lot better for the fish, and um, it's a really high quality product. Um, we used it all season, never had a problem, never broke it. So definitely check out that new that new release hook um, from LT. Um, or if you want to see any of Chris's products, uh, you can visit ltmarineproducts.com or check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Our next sponsor is Black Oak LED. Black Oak LED manufactures high-quality LED lighting at a reasonable price for many different industries, including hunting, fishing, military, and tactical. If you're looking to upgrade the cockpit lights, spotlights, under gunnel lights, underwater lights on your boat, uh, make sure you check out Black Oak LED at www.blackoakled.com or at Black Oak LED on Instagram. Uh, Taylor and I just purchased the 360 Marine LED light bar kit uh, with the 30-inch light bar uh, for the new um, the new Line Shy. It's the name of our new center console that will be running um, starting next season. So. That kit includes a 30-inch light bar, like I said, and then four flood combos uh, that we're going to kind of spread out evenly across the T-top to um, to illuminate the deck and um, help us get bait on, in low-light conditions. Uh, all that for around 1000 bucks. It's a great price point, awesome product, um, and they have a lifetime warranty. If you need lights and want to go with Black Oak, please make sure you use our promo code GIANTBLUEFIN. Uh, that's all one word, capital G, for 20% off your order. Our guest on today's episode of the podcast has over 30 years of fishing experience and has earned a reputation as one of the top highliners in the Northeast. He has proven himself in the Northeast and East Coast tournament circuit with several wins and podium appearances under his belt, including the Mid-Atlantic 500. His current program consists of running a private sport fish boat, a 52-foot Viking called the Rebel, as well as running a fleet of commercial monkfish boats. Before he became a part of the Rebel program, he spent many years in the cockpit and at the helm of the Canyon Runner, charter fishing in the Northeast Canyons and beyond. This was actually the first long-form conversation that we've had together since knowing each other for over a decade now. 
We had a great talk. We were able to extract some great intel and awesome stories. And without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Captain Mark DeCabia. Welcome to the Seabros Fishing Podcast. There we go. Perfect. All right, perfect. How's that going, you guys? So what's going on? Uh, happy to be home. Yeah? What have you been up to? Yeah. Just boat work and fishing with uh, gypsy guys there for a few days in the, in the buck and... You know, it's always nice to come home. I was with Galvin for a little bit. And oh then, God, uh, we're at uh, we're both at the Viking VIP event for two, you know, two different reasons. He was there to see trial on boats, and I was there to see trial on a few boats. And well, it's pretty crazy what boats have become now. It's nuts. A little different. It's not nuts. It's you gotta you gotta have an engineer. You gotta have just the the kitchen work. They're not meant to go fishing. By, by no means. No. You know, I, first thing, I asked the guy when I walked in, I go, where do you put the rods? <laughs> you, know, you, you, you can't even, like, walk. You have to physically, like, you know, put the reel in your, you know, like, chest. Because, God forbid, if you hit any of this, it's not even teak veneer. It's, I don't even know. I, I would rather have it faux painted. Yeah. Because at least you can touch that up. Because when you crack one of these little things, it's what I'm going through now. Like, we've had my, my boat for a while, but. You it's know. not cheap. It's not easy to fix. And no. it's just layers upon layers of just stuff no. you have to do you, to get to And you got to rip the whole it. thing yeah, down. Exactly. The, the one boat we went on had a 120 uh, case wine cabinet with the, where they all seal in, all dehumidified. Wild. Just like, all right, let's waste as much money as possible. Oh, man. We're thinking about putting a dehumidifying wine cabinet on the Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glass everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In a, in a, a cigar area. <laughs> yeah, cigar. The, cigar. the cigars could drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh. So you got a lot of irons in the fire. I guess that's a good way to kick this thing off. Can you kind of walk us through what you have going on boat-wise, program-wise, all that sort of thing? Yeah. All right. Well, we have the – yeah, a lot of irons. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, even uh, – you know, I, I talked to, you know, we talked to our all fishing friends every day, right? Yeah. And we all have our, our, our standard friends and, you know, Cookie Murray, I talked to him literally every single day. And he goes, wow, can you maximize your time anymore? And, <laughs> you know, and he goes, oh, I, you know, how much more can you get through in one day? I'm like, well, I don't know. But, uh, you know, right now I've been running the Rebel program for the last 10 years. So that's a 52 Viking base out of Shinnecock down here and uh where i have all my commercial boats as well monkfish boats gill netters and you know it's basically we go down six months up here six months in florida fish in florida quite a bit try to get as much work done as we can down there as obviously you can do down there a lot easier than doing it up here when it's 10 degrees out. night and day difference night and, day. And, and you got night the places day. to bring the boat that can actually do the work Yep. Yeah. Uh, good example, I just put two brand new antennas on the boat and I needed a, an antenna clevis, which is like specific for a rup marine part for any big boat. And I'm based in Stewart and then got in my car two minutes up the road. There's rup marine. Grab the two pieces. You know, you can get everything done um, possibly in, in Stewart, especially. First, I didn't really like Stewart and now it's start, starting to grow on me. The fishing could be a little bit better, but. 
Um, we'll just move the boat accordingly if we have to. But you know, so tell, um, tell us about the monk fishery. What do you what do you do? How are you involved? How many oh, boats? How many boats you have now? Uh, we had four for a while, and that was just a headache. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually gonna I'll back up a, a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. That. So you know, before I got involved in that and and fishing, um, you know, we'll just probably start out like in the beginning. We'll just slowly go through. Yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. Um, so my my dad used to bring me down to this dock when I was a little kid, maybe six, seven years old. You know, I'd just sit down there for endless hours catching porgies, endless hours. <laughs> just he'd get me like two dozen sandworms. I just sit down there until I was roasted completely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little fat pudgy kid wobbling down the dock. I, I had my little tackle box, bait, you know, the wood handle bait knife that we all had oh, yeah. growing up. With I the probably still on have one. But the slate on one side. Yeah, no, we all I have one of those down knives. So we literally would go down there every single day, uh, every single weekend. Like, and I would be down there for hours. And I remember catching flounders and porgies. And I remember I caught my first striped bass right off the dock by myself. Um, and that slowly evolved. And when I got maybe nine or ten, my dad started taking me tuna fishing offshore um, with friends of his and and stuff like that. So th- that kind of slowly progressed into fishing as i started getting older we started you know going all over the place and you know it's something i really started getting involved something the same very probably similar with your father oh, yeah. you know every year got a little more advanced got a little more advanced um and i was the one always to push them you know my dad wasn't directly involved in the fishing but you know it was uh you know it was always just just fun to me and then Probably I was like 12 or 13. They started just dropping me off at the dock. You know, like, here you go. I'll pick you up at 6 p.m. Dock you know, rat status, dock fully kid. engaged yeah, at that just, point. Yep, full <laughs> dock rat. You know, just harvesting lots of animals off the end of the dock. <laughs> you know, I graduated, I started with the bucket, you know, the Rubbermaid, like, two-gallon bucket you wash, you know, a, a mop in. And then I'm like, Dad, I'm going to need a cooler, you know, onto the cooler. And then, you know come back we'd have to flay all like the 10 inch flounders i was killing because like, i didn't know any limit you know that gets, just... you, that gets you good at cutting pretty quick though oh yeah <laughs> so then uh probably i was 11 i think 11 or 12 years old the marina i'm at oakland's marina doug oakland um came down and said kid you want to come with us i go yeah sure and you know and that was on uh you know 44 enrique so then that started um and one thing like the next by the time i was Summer when I was twelve or thirteen. I was mating on the boat all summer long. Um, you know, mostly all the inshore trips by then. And then we had another. There was another guy who would do all the offshore trips. Um, and then my current partner now, Chris Williams, he was moving back from Saipan, which is in uh, the Northern Marianas, which is out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And he was going to take over running the boat. And he goes, "All right, I'm going to run the boat next summer. You want a job?" I go, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take a job." So. You know, 13, 14 years old. Um, you know, we were going to an efficient every day. It was a lot of day trips in and out. And, you know, I was always a little bit bigger of a kid for my age. And my dad, he would drive me down every single day. I give him give him full credit because, like, I would wake him up every day, two in the morning. We drive 10 miles down to the dock. Like, he's definitely. And he wasn't even he going. He wasn't going at yeah, all. He, he would come like, he, he would, he would charter the boat. Uh, a few times with his friends or clients that he had and you know that would go on um 
And then that's the summer I was probably, yeah, 14. Summer I was 15. Uh, my part, you know, Chris Williams, who I was working for, he goes, hey, you want to go monk fishing? I'm like, yeah, sure. I, you know, I like making money, you know. And then it's one of those things. Once If you love fishing and then you get paid to do it, it's, it's not really work. Right. In my opinion. No. So, I mean, I'm this like, you know, I'm a hard charger, so I don't sleep, you know, go, 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 go. So, and Chris liked it because I was 15 years old. He had full control over me. You know, you know, whenever we got in from monk fishing, we went out charter fishing. So it was nonstop every single day. Absolutely like, machine. Yeah, yeah machine. <laughs> and he, he's one of the real guys that, that pushed me to become where I'm at today. Um, he just trained me to get up and go to work every single day. Doesn't matter. He goes, I don't care if it's blowing 30, we're going to go. And, you know, you never know. And there was a lot of days, obviously we shouldn't have went, you know, and we still went. And there are a lot of days that when the forecast says 30, you know, that you can, you know, basically squeeze the day out, you know, get the day in and the wind doesn't really come like it should. And then there's, you know, a lot of days you shouldn't even tie the ropes and we went anyway. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> Uh, which is a little scary. So that kind of progressed. You know, we started doing this balance when I was 15, 16 years old. We were monk fishing. You know, I was uh, basically missing high school, missing as many days as I possibly could because I'm like, wow, I'm making more money than anyone else. You know, I was, I was you know, 13, you know, between 13 and 15, you know, you're making $200 a day. That's a lot of money. Sure is. You know, so I just remember squirreling it all away. I remember, I remember my dad coming to my room and finding one of my shoe boxes just loaded with cash. And it's like, what are you doing with all this? <laughs> I didn't really realize how much I was making. So it was pretty funny. Um, but going on and on and on. So the, the monk fishing came apart. Uh, when I was 16, we started, we had one boat at the time. Um, and the owner is Richie LaRocca, who's still fishing. You know, we're, we're working with them every day, um, Chris and I. So we had one boat at the time. And then he saw, he's the one who saw the potential that Chris could run the boat. I could run the boat. We could, we could all run the boat. So once we started being very successful at doing it, um, we had two boats, then we had three boats, then we had four boats. But the monk fishing is uh, a gillnet type fishery where it's all in deep water. Nets are about a half a mile long. And depending on how many crew you have, obviously the crew is the hardest thing in our industry always uh, always always it doesn't matter what you're involved it could be sport fishing could be commercial fishing crew you're only as good as your crew and you need a good crew and everything everyone's gonna be on the same page and go on and on and on about that but so the normal day of monk fishing we get up 2 30 in the morning go down the boat we we normally do our normal routine where we drive we have an overlook right at the mouth of our inlet we and our inlet's pretty dangerous um, in general, it's, it's not, not safe at all by no means. And so we always look, you drive up there and if you could see white water, it's going to be white knuckles going out, <laughs> you know, we're, we're more, not like we're not going, well, I go every day, but when you just got to be a little careful going out because of the swell, um, you know, a lot of guys punch windows out. There's a few guys lose their lives every single year in our inlet boats overturn. Um, it just, the way the inlet faces, it faces 180 degrees. And in the summertime, in the spring, with that southwest, it just pours right down the inlet. So wow. very, you know, yeah, it's not not for everybody. Right. So we get out, you go out monk fishing. The gear is already set. 
And basically, you go out every single day and you basically tend it. So you hook on, you know, you net, you run nets one, two, and three, whatever it takes to get your limit. And then, you know, you come in, you offload, you know, go go about your day. Uh, we try to get done by 12, 1 o'clock. All the boats we have have big horsepower. Um, we're, we basically say we work on time because our fishery used to be a, a clock type fishery where you, when you log into National Marine Fisheries, it has a running clock. But now it just, it's a day at sea and it's under 15 hours. So we don't have to go as fast, um, you know, as we used to, as compared to the guys that fish up north, up by you guys, you could see some of the gill netters, they're big Novi style boats and they go four man crews and they, you know, they go for a day or two at a clip because they're, you know, six knots, eight knots We're we have big horsepower, um, in all our boats, you know, thousand horsepower cats. So we're scooting right along for an hour of steam and scooting right back. Yeah. Uh, hmm. What's so, a good, what's a good day? Like what's a good haul? Uh, good day. We, we have a, it, it's, it's hard to describe. So, you know, we obviously have a limit and then there's all the research projects, but a, a good day would be about four to 5,000 pounds of fish and meaning monkfish, skates. Um, we do catch some cod, lobsters, you know, all kinds of, you know, bycatch stuff along with that. But between three and three and 3,500 is a, you know, standard day of monk fishing. And we wow, keep the fish whole. It's a lot of product. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of product. It's 18 yeah. totes. Um, I would just tell my guys, just, I put my head down, let me know when we get to, you know, 16 totes. And then that way I can manage how much more net. Um, yeah. And we could actually, the one good thing about our fishery, the it's size selective, so we could leave the fish in the net. And as long as the dogs aren't bad, um, they don't eat up all the fish, we can let the net go. Huh. So, it's, yeah. you know, you just roll the net off. Go back in, you know, come back in, you know, and once I got to run the boat, I was, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't have a girlfriend, you know, it's, I would come in, I would grab two limits on one boat because you're allowed to possess a double limit, sometimes 6,000, 7,000 pounds. And then I come in, I'd be like, well, I'm not that tired. Let's go get on the other boat, you know, and literally jump on the other boat and steam right back out. And, you know, I, I had nothing to do. And I'm like, oh, and when you're making money, same thing, like if, if the tunas come back and they're worth money again. There's an incentive just oh, to yeah. go, 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 right you know, that's gold rush it, mentality. It's, it's the same as I tell everyone charter fishing is the same as commercial fishing. And that's where my fit in the Canyon runner really, really fit me really well. That's why Adam, one of the things that, I'm, you know, kind of seeked me out a little bit more because that type of schedule. And I always told Dean, Dean worked for me for a while. And I said, this is as much commercial fishing you're ever going to get. Come in, you go out, you come in, you go out, you fix stuff on the fly, and you got to be able to think fast, and you got to be able to produce. So, you know, you're fishing for dollars. You know, most people don't understand. Charter fishing is still the same thing. You're fishing for money all the time. So, pretty, pretty important. How did you make that? How did you get on with Adam and Canyon Runner and make that transition? So, when. You know, continuing like the summers of 16, 17, I was, we were charter fishing, monk fishing. Um, I went to the University of Rhode Island, which I met a lot of great people. Um, Galvin was going to Salve at the time. Uh, we That's a dangerous Kevin. combo, by the way. Yeah, you oh, guys we, in college. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Glenn. There was a lot of Alex Acoin who runs the Barber and There was a lot of dangerous, super dangerous individuals there. <laughs> Alex Cucci, 
Um, so I did that right through college, 18, 18, 19, 20. I was chartering on a boat called the Real Action. I was monk fishing. I was doing a little bit of everything. I was working at Stalker Outfitters. I was maximizing my time to the absolute brim. Told my, you know, told my dad going to college, just like all of us, you know, I'm not, not skipping school and going fishing like some of my friends did. Um, so right when I was like 21, I'm like, ah, do I really want to live home? And I got to travel a little bit. I'm like, nah, I don't really, you know, don't want to live home, but I, I want to travel. You know, I kind of didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? I didn't want to go in the real world. I'm like, oh, I want to go fishing. But I realized if I got to go fishing, I got to go make some money. You know, you're not, I'm not going to just, you know, sit around and just wait for chars during the summer. And I want to go, 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 go. So I randomly reached out to Adam about a jacket. Like he had a, a jacket. This is totally random. I love this these stories. This is the best. Yeah, yeah. So I this randomly is like, just this is when the truth comes out. Like you hear all these rumors. <laughs> yeah, like no, how no. People, so, this is the best part of this. Yeah. So I uh, I email him about a jacket. You know, and we get talking. It was just a design. I was tw- I was uh you know like nineteen or twenty, and he knew the boat I was working on. He knew who I was. So it was pretty. You know, we were going back and forth, back and forth. Um, I knew Phil from just being out there, you know, it, it slowly progressed. And then one day he's like, Hey, I, I, I got a problem. You know, I'm like, Oh, what's up? He's, he's like, Oh, can you come down and fill in for, for one of the guys? I'm like, I, I guess so. You know, it was like October or November. We didn't have our striped bass fishery in the gillnets like we do now. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I go down, it, it's like a day, it's, it's cold, we're jigging striped bass. I got to work for Phil the Tyrant at the time when Phil was Philly the Tyrant. And all those guys, Dean, they, they all said I broke Phil um, all the time because he was one of the few mates because they didn't have a lot of mates that, that they would come and go. And, you know, they, there was only a couple of guys who actually worked on boats the whole time. So go down. Basically, Adam throws me to the wolves with Phil. You know, Phil. I get Phil's approval after three days of bass fishing, which I was laughing at. I'm like, yeah, this is like a joke. You know, what are, what are we doing? You know, I got to live on the boat with them. So that was in November. At that time, one of the the boat was going to Florida. The, they just got the 58. So I go, all right. You know, Adam goes, oh, do you want to go to Florida? I go. Sure. You know, we were living in South Beach. So me and uh, Justin and I go to Florida and we were running the boat together. I was running the boat a little bit. And that's like kind of where I first started really working for him, you know, and I didn't know if I wanted to work in the summer or not. Yeah, you know, I'm like, OK, this is a good winter thing. I'm hanging out at Miami Beach, just where Galvin is right now. Right. Miami Beach Marina. This is great. You know, literally not making one dollar because anytime we made a dollar, we went out drinking and partying. <laughs> you know. Well, and, and some of the charters were, were crazy, you know, so they would make us go out with them till four or five in the morning constantly. It, it, real, you, want, you want them back. So you have to entertain, right? Oh, it, it, entertaining is obviously the biggest, it's, biggest right. thing. It's one right. of the things you got to be able to hold a conversation. You got to be right. able to make people laugh. You got to be people. able to, yeah, read people and not just like, oh, fishing, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm very, I don't know energetic is you don't say i'm probably the most in front of all these seminars i get up in front you know and i tell everyone 
I'm the craziest person in this room besides Mike's agent. Speaking, you know I mean? speaking of energetic, can you tilt your phone down so we can see your pretty face a little more? Yeah, there you go. Your vibrations. smile. Yep. Your vibrations are moving your phone down. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. Perfect. So we went to Florida. Florida, you know, we went. That's when the sword fishing was really good. We you go out night fishing, you'd actually catch one, two, maybe three a night. Um, sail fishing was very good. I met Ray Rocher when I was there. I got to fish with him, and then I ended up fishing with him on the Miss Costa, um, which was their tournament boat at the time. It was a 55 Viking. We won the Miami Billfish. I met all these guys. I met, uh, you know, fishing with Nick Carullo, who's been tearing everything apart lately on the sail fishing circuit and bill fishing circuit boat. He runs the temptress now. Um, Brett Wilson, who I'm very good friends with to this day. You know, I talked to Brett almost, almost every single day as well. He's on, he's um, on our Wilson. list of people to contact. Yep. Yep. And, uh, so you, you meet a lot of good people along the way, you know, you, you gotta be open-minded and, you know, so, and especially a place where I've never fished before, you, you better get to learn some friends quick. Oh, yeah. Or, or you're out. Yep. You know, you're, you're not in, you're out. You know, and uh, Dean Panos, uh, all, all these guys. And there was a lot of rock stars at the time. Um, Alex Castellanos, who was running Ray's Boat, who's one of the top guys in sail fishing. Um, he worked, he's on the Sandman now with John Louie. You know, a lot of just good individuals that I met along the way. Um, so went back up and then, uh, I guess the, the tyranny of Phil starts. <laughs> so I tell Adam, you know, listen, I, I have this monkfish fishery. I'm, I'm fully involved and invested in, I can't, you know, I could do some boat work, but I got to manage everything at the same time. You know, he's like, okay, that's understandable. You know, Phil doesn't see that. Phil wants everyone at the boat, April 1st to June 1st, 26 hours a day. You know, he doesn't want you to leave. He wants to dip your hands in fiberglass. He wants to, <laughs> you know, you know and, and Dean, will, he can fix anything. And he's one of the people I've attributed to, you know, I would say to becoming a, a, a better captain, a better fisherman, not so much the fishing. I, I didn't really learn much about fishing from Phil, but I learned how to fix everything. I learned how to be very methodical about what I do. Um, it's crazy how well-rounded, really good captains are. I mean, they're carpenters, they're electricians, they're plumbers. You know, they can deal with people. You really and, learn and just so like much. I said, like being, uh, you know, a commercial fisherman. You know, that's commercial fishing. Yeah. You know, you're fishing for money. If the boat that boat doesn't run, you're, you're not making any money. It's mm -hmm. not like you know, just like your program. You're down there with your dad. Every oil change, impellers, this, that, mm -hmm. um, and Phil. And Mike Zajac, who worked on the boat for 12 years prior, Mike wasn't allowed to touch a screwdriver. <laughs> uh, literally, I have, a screwdriver. I have this feeling that when we talked, because Mike Mike is up on the list too. Yeah. When we talked to Mike, there's going to be a little bit of back and forth between you. Oh two. yeah. So <laughs> he wasn't allowed. So and I hit it right off with Mike. I'm like, oh, this is great. So Phil loved me. So I mean, he loved me for the you know because. I can drive. I can help him fix things. I know about the tackle, and I can go fishing. Mikey just never had to do any of that, so it, it just oh boy. You know, so going on and on your and smile, on. Your smile is bigger than your oh, own head some, right now. Some of the stuff with, that happened with Mike is, is unbelievable. It really, is unbelievable. You know, from Mike, uh, 
you know, fake electrocuting himself, you know, and scared, scared. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of different good Mike stories, um, that came along, you know, and, and so I move, I basically June 15th, because we never had this fishery that we're fishing in now. I'm sure you guys see it. Our Canyon season last year, I got up here April 14th with the boat and we started May 6th and it was aim on from May 6th. But even the years I was working on a Canyon runner, we never went till mid June. You know, I, I think because the blue fins have become our, our strong fishery now in the spring, there's a lot of blue fins around and now there's yellow fins and big eyes, everything's mixing here earlier and earlier. You know, we never had that. So that particular year, that was, uh, 2000 and, Six. Oh no, two thousand yeah, five or six, somewhere in there. I can't remember it because it all blends together. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I went monk fishing every day in the spring, nonstop. You know, I basically did my we call it a tour, an eighty day tour where you don't stop, you know, you don't pick your hands up, you know, you can barely lift your arms at the end of the day. And I remember packing like four or five duffel bags of clothes and I'm driving to Point Pleasant. Meanwhile, I'm living, you know, in uh in West Hampton one of the nicest parts of Long Island, you know, I'm like, all right, this is, this doesn't make any sense, at all. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, all my friends, like you're going to Point Pleasant. You know what I mean? I'm like, you're going to dirty Jersey. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. You know? So literally show up to the boat. Phil's angry. I walked in the dock. Phil's happy because I used to, you know, definitely bribe Phil with the coffees. He used to drink Seven Eleven coffee only, you know, the worst eating habits of all time. It's so like I walked down straight up OG replica. Yeah. Oh yeah, he double double you know smoking yeah. cigarettes. O- OG oh, brings cool. Twinkies and peanut butter on the boat. Puts yeah, Phil, the peanut butter on the Twinkie <laughs> and eats them, like at he, seven in the morning. Yeah, I, Phil has some interesting eating habits. Just say you know, we're not going to discuss that because it oh it's very volatile. But uh, going, so we start we start going every day. It was me, Mike, and Phil. Um, Every single day, in and out, in and out. And I'm groomed to it because, you know, I'm up for 20 hours a day like I normally am and just go, 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 go. And I got Mike's approval. Mike's like, oh, I, you know, this is awesome because both of us, we mesh very well. You know, we could both stay up the entire time. We both, you know, hit it off. You know, it, it, we all did equal amount of work. And that was Phil's number one thing. Um, we all do the work. But Phil didn't understand, like, when it, it was windy. Like we want to leave the boat. You weren't imprisoned to the boat. Yeah. Phil would just make up projects for us. So we'd be stuck there, go on and on and on. And, uh, you know, it slowly progressed from, from that to Adam got the Richie. We started building the Richie right after that. And the Blasio was there. Um, so it was me, the Blasio, Phil, Zajac, and we had a couple filling mates and it was just go, 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 nonstop. And we were averaging, uh, I think like 55 or 60 overnighters in a summer, you know, it's a lot of fishing. Dude. I mean, just for Adam, I did like 310 overnighters just for him, you know, just running that boat. Um, but the reason how I got to run the boat is Phil is, who's not the figment of health, you know, halfway through, he's got diverticulitis. He's got, you know, about 7,000 other disorders, but he's still trucking along. Um, he catches, the ammonia, you know, he used to call it ammonia. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, ammonia, not ammonia. Yeah. Okay. Now, mock, mock, I got the ammonia. Like, Here we go. Here we go. So 
literally one day, he just usually he he comes down to the dock. He's got his eight, seven, eleven cups of coffee. That's what he used to bring on every overnight. And one day he just didn't come down the dock. We didn't see he drive. He used to drive this weird Dodge. Uh, we call it level three van. No <laughs> windows in the back where he used to store all the boat parts because no, they couldn't be on the boat where you actually need them. He would keep them in the van. You know, <laughs> we would do about two hundred trips back and forth to the van. You know, and one day it was just me and Mike. And, and he was sick and he was in the hospital and Adam's like, well, here you guys go, you know, and uh, we started fishing and it was Mike and I ever since. And then, you know, we started going, 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 and then we could do the schedule a lot faster. Um, I remember showing Mike how to change the oil and, you know, because Phil would never let him help or do anything. And, you know, we go downstairs and, you know, we crack the filter, James in the pan, Mike hit the reverso button drains and we pull the oil out change the filter and he goes and i'd never forget he goes that's it that's that's an oil change i'm like yeah mike we're done he goes you're shitting me right he goes the old man the old and he called the old bag he wouldn't let me touch anything you know and so so we you know showed him how to do that we changed impellers fixed everything um went on and on and on so i did you know five years of that you know, back and forth. And it was a lot of travel. We were, I was in Florida. I would run the boat during the winter. I would take some time off, you know, and it actually worked very well with my monk fishing schedule because the canyon season we did done in October, I would start gilding that in October to December. And then December, usually always New Year's Day, I drove to Florida. So it would be the perfect timing. That's great. I would be back from Florida April 1st at the latest. Um, and Phil would start his work because he, he would have 47,000 projects every year. And I would go monk fishing from April, May, first week in June, come down for, you know, a weekend here or three days here. If I saw bad weather, I'd drive to Point Pleasant, stay in the boat, I'd work with Phil every day. So I did that. And it slowly started getting to you, just like how chartering gets to you guys. You know, there's, there's days you're no. just like... No matter what, <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, these people again, oh, yeah. you know, you know, and, and it's always funny. Some of the people who are the nicest people you have the worst trips with. Absolutely. And some of the most undeserving individuals yes. on this earth. You cannot miss. Yes. No, nope. cannot miss, yep. you know, and that's one thing I, I hated about it. Um, and it was the same thing. It, it just got. It, it it got a little old after a while. And the same thing that Dean goes through and probably Mark goes through. It's the same. After about August, you're like, okay, you know, we need a change. You know, you, you want to be able to do different things. So I'm in Florida the last year, and, and my current boss now was one of the good charters. Um, you know, we always caught some stuff with him. You know, it was never really knockout trips. And one day he just walked on the bridge. He's like, how would you like to move home? I would love to move home. I don't want to be on this boat, you know? <laughs> and uh, he he talked to Adam beforehand. You know, he was nice about it. And I asked Adam, and Adam's like, yeah, you, you can go, you know, if you want to. He goes, I'm, I'm going to be upset when you leave a little bit, and I'm going to be in a pickle. Um, but I said, no problem. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna go home. You know, it's, we didn't, you know, we still had all the seminars and stuff like that. And, you know, I was getting older. I didn't want to be 27 years old living on the boat for a summer and, you know, having a place at home to pay for. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I guess I'll try this private boat thing. And, uh, 
you know, basically we had a 45 footer for five years going on and on. And, you know, that had blossomed into a 52 express and which we have now, which looks like we're going to keep for a little while longer. That's a cool boat. I love it that is. boat. It's like perfect, really. It's a perfect boat. Right. Um, and you guys come on it, you know, it's, everything's open. Basically I drive from the helm. I have a cockpit control. So I drive always from the back. So I leader and gaff everything myself. Uh, I have Brian Yelp. Yeah. Yeah, Well, everything we fish is a wind-on system, so that way I can maximize the crew. You know, I have five guys. I drive with, you know, just a joystick controller. Every fish is brought on the side of the boat because they shouldn't be brought on the the transom, the scratch of transom. It's one of my, you know, one of my pet peeves. Do not bring anything on a transom. Um, Even though Phil used to do it all the time to me, he used to put the fish right in the prop wash. (laughs) And then he'd pull the hook and then he'd blame it on me, you know, um, little things like that. Yeah. So, you know, we went on and on, you know, so I slowly been designing this boat and it's just been getting better and better and better, you know, every year. Um, how is this, been, how is this last year for you? How was 2020 for you guys? I don't think anyone on planet earth could say 2020 was a bad fishing year. I, you know, if you do. Time for golf. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, let's go badminton, do, do something else. It was you savage. Know, but it was savage. From the, even our commercial fishing was savage. I, I'm involved in a horseshoe crab fishery in the spring. Um, and we kind of, it's, it's, this is a do weird. You, hold on, do you own strip clubs too? No, I don't do strip clubs. <laughs> you, know? you know, not yet. Not yet. Okay. I, I do. You know, I mean, I what else? you get the horseshoe crabs, you're going to be breeding <laughs> rabbits next, selling rabbits yeah. on the side. Some tackle. I, I just, I can't sit. Yeah, obviously, yeah, doing, you can't you know, sit doing still. this. I can't sit still. I cannot <laughs> sit still. I mentally, like even this morning, I'm up at 2.30. Wide awake, I'm like, yeah. oh god! But that's <laughs> but that's horrible. that's one of the common denominators as to why all you, of us, you're probably, all of us yeah. do it. I I go to bed early. I'm in bed at eight o'clock every night, eight thirty. Like I tell Same. everyone, you you have zero chance of getting a hold of me after eight p.m. Yeah, there's not even don't even call my phone. I tell you, you want to get a hold of me? It's between two and six in the morning, and you have a better chance. Yeah, um, you know. And I answer my phone, and then at four p.m. I hate answering my phone. Um, so it goes on. Yeah, you know. But we all have that. Um, that same that same bug for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I got to design this boat very similar. It's got a big fish box. You know, multiple ice. You know, ice maker. You know, every you know every toy, and it's perfectly suited for our canyon fishing. Yeah. You know, um, it's a very good running boat. You know, very reliable. We have thirteen sixty mans. You know, very good motors to have in a boat. Very fuel efficient for what it is at the speeds that we go. Um, and it, it encloses everyone. At first I was like, Oh, I want to be on the bridge, you know? And when, uh, the owner first bought the boat, I thought we were getting a bridge boat. So I never even, lo- I didn't even look at you, you know, what the boat he told me. And I remember when we bought the 45, I'm like, all right, it's a 45 Viking. I see him around. And I just remember pulling up to the Marina that's at, I'm like, well, where is it? He goes, that's it. I'm like, Oh, you know, you know <laughs> oh no what did i do like, plan b yeah like exactly that's what i'm thinking of i'm like there's no one in the express boat ever caught around me and i'm like these you know except in florida where it's different you know tuna fishing express boat just not around up here yeah um so we had that 45 for a while and that was an okay boat um but the 52 is a, a proven animal the 52 is a very good haul that viking produced um a lot of good guys 
the Miss Annie's the same year. You know, certain years, obviously, in sport boats, certain hulls catch better than others. So that's something that it grows on. Like that 1987 48 Vikings, the cannon runner, doesn't matter who you give it to. I mean, every, every one of us, Phil, me, Mark, Dean, uh, Zajac, Craig, everyone catches with that boat. It's just a very fishy boat, very yeah. rolling. Put two engines in gear. There's not a prop wash, you know, you could see every single thing and, and off you go. So we've been lucky in that, in that respect too, with our boats. I mean, especially trolling blue fins on the bank, it's kind of a completely different program. So yeah. we've been lucky. Our last two boats have been like no prop. It wash. doesn't matter who's driving it. Yeah. You know, yeah. as long as you're running the right RPMs and you're fine. It's all about, and I tell her it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone at a seminar asked me what, what speed drives all that. They're all like, oh, 6.3, 6, you know, they make yeah. up these arbitrary numbers. <laughs> yeah. I laugh. I'm like, no. Honestly, I, and I do the same thing with my boat. We start trolling. I figure out which way the current's running. But then I actually look at everything. Right. You know, how, do, think, how do the lures look? How, how do the lures <laughs> look? You know what I mean? Like, is, is a green machine bar jumping out of the water? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's tumbling down sea. You know, not it is amazing, isn't it? it's you know it's it's all little things and it's not there's no more secrets in fishing the only secret you have is your information but information is is between in reach phones isn't that secret anymore you have no time the one the one the one secret and it's not even a secret is instinct it's the it's the one thing that and i think a lot of that's just experience just being out there all the time and number one thing i i would say is confidence yeah, 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 for sure. At a summer, I could—I'll tell you every single thing I know. I could tell you what moon phase. I could tell you this, but uh, Walter Harmstead, I fished along him, and he's a very good fisherman. You know? He runs going in deep, very, very good tournament record. He's won a lot of money, and if you hear him on you know you're gonna get him. We're gonna get him. Gonna get him. Gonna get him. Here they, you know, here they come. Bang, he's on. And yep. I'm like, man, he's old, you know. And I watched him growing up, and that's one of those things that. You know, confidence is a big part of it, you know. And I, that's why I say I'm almost, I'm, you know, any minute now. I mean, let's go, you know. And I'm constantly saying it all day, you know what I mean? Looking at the machine. That looking one at bite things. or the one, one time bite, they come you know, up. But, you know, and, and it's funny. I had a conversation with someone at dinner. They're like, oh, I can't wait to go fishing. I'm like, you know, no, it's it's catching, yeah. you know, it's, in my opinion. It's not if we're going to get them, it's when we're going to get them. Right. And that's a big thing. And that's something that. Every charter client I've ever taken, like, oh, I hope we get them today, Mark. I'm like, no, we're going to mow them down today. You know? <laughs> and after we do that, then I'm going to make you go mahi fishing. Then I'm going to make you go tile fishing in yeah. you know, 135 fathoms. And after you're done and you really want to go home, you know, maybe we'll stop inshore on the way back. We'll catch some bass, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way, you know, that everyone should be. It's not fishing. You should go out with a confidence and you're, you're going to get them. And that's, you know, obviously there's tricks and stuff like that, but staying positive is a, it's a big thing. And most people, you know, lose sight of that when they go offshore to the Canyon, they lose the confidence. They, they don't get cha- a changing everything up and uh, changing they, speeds. And it just doesn't work that way. Does not work. Yep. You know what I mean? Everyone has 400 lures. You troll the same four. Yep. You know, it's a huge, huge part of it. It's, and he's, you know, kind of set and forget it. What worked for you works for you. And that's, one of those things. I'm sure you guys have stuff that works on your boat that you've tried on other boats and it doesn't work, mm-hmm. but it works under, you know, you two and your dad and that's what works for you guys, right. you know, and 
everyone's like, oh, what hook do you use? I'm like, I'm not even going to tell you. I can tell you every hook, but. You're still going to pull them. Yeah. <laughs> you're still going to pull every single one. Every single one. <laughs> you know, I, I have guys that are like, oh, they swear by a Jobu, and I cringe at a Jobu. Yeah, you I know? do too. Because they snap, they snap, you know, yeah. and I show them. Uh, I'm like, here, you want to see this trick? You know? Yeah. He's like, oh, I never even, you know, a guy who's caught a lot of fish, and the, and the Jobu worked for him. And yeah, right. That's, it's all, it's all little things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, building that confidence, you know, building your yeah. own system. That's what it's all about. Yeah, your own your own system is, you know, a big big part of it. Making a plan. You um you mentioned a lot, you know, catching swordfish at night, overnighters. You've given us an awesome background. Um so I think it's kinda story story and tactic time, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, well All right. So the biggest <laughs> Everyone wants to know what we did different on the Canyon Runner or what I do different now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, he's doing something. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hear from, you know, people that I, I'm not, you know, I'm associated with or friends with and, and like, like Mark, you're doing something different than everyone else. You have a secret squid or, you know. It's a common question. Dude, that's a great boat name, by the way. Secret, secret squid. Secret squid is a great Absolutely. boat. Absolutely. Secret squid. Perfect. Oh, yeah. It is, it is a common question from people that aren't, you know, able to go as much as we're all able yep. to go you know so what's and your the secret? number the number one secret of this whole entire game stay awake yeah stay awake mm-hmm. you know and that's something that mike and i did as ajac every single night we didn't miss one beat from that sun that went down and i and i love night fishing more than more than anything it's one of my favorite types of fishing stay awake the entire time and stay focused yeah you know Cause you're going to get the opportunity. What happens, you know, everyone works, you're on a, you know, everyone, all your friends are going out. Someone's going to bed at 11 o'clock. Who's not checking the rods. You know, they set it and forget it, you know, put the rod out and there it is. When it laps over, it laps over. Meanwhile, there's like, you know, two swords going by at 40 fathoms and your bait set at 30 fathoms. So little things like that. Um, but staying, staying awake, I can't tell everyone, and when to stay awake? Yeah, you know, you know, when, just by when's prime time. What do you consider as prime time for the sorting up here? So something happens, obviously, on the backside of the full moon in August. So yep. No one knows. We've always tried to figure this out. The tunas go from trolling to chunking, and as soon as Strange, that happens, isn't it? It's freaking it's, weird. One day they decide, oh, we're going to swim around the boat. We're going to eat every single thing behind the back of your boat, but. And then in July, there's not a single living thing, right? And you put the boating gear, you don't even go 100 feet in the morning in the dark trolling, and every value gets ripped out of the riggers. Yeah. And it's something, obviously, we always thought it's moon. Then we were thinking it's temperature. Um, because at that point, the August full, the temperature is probably maxed out as the hottest it's going to be all year. Yep. You know, so you look at different parts of the world, Cabo, you know, Puerto Vallejo, uh, uh Port, Port of Vallarta, I'm sorry, uh, where they chunk tunas, the Excel, the temperature's hot all the time. It, yeah. it, you're, you know, so it's obviously some kind of a feeding thing um, that they do at night and that they do during the day. And then, so, and we would see this. This is where experience obviously paid off because on the Canyon Runner, we would go every single night and it would be zero, zero. We would catch one fish at night. And then, like, that one fish, I'll never, never forget, like, 
It was always right around the moon. We always wrote it down. And you catch, you know, like I said, one. The next night you catch zero. Next night you catch 35. And then after that 35, it was hammer down the whole time. We could put the trolling stuff away and, you know, make sure the anchor's good and cut a lot of butters. And then we just started our trunking season. Yeah. Huh. Um, it, it's, it's weird the way they do that. And they did that this year at the Triple Rex as well, where we had a very good fishery um, down this way. It was trolling most of the spring. And then one day they just decided to bite the jigs and the bait, you know, out of nowhere. But, uh, but going into sword fishing, it starts in, you know, right around, I would say mid August, the fish come from offshore and they start coming up on the bank. And that's when the long liners, you know, start showing up. And obviously being a commercial guy, I talk to all those guys. I'm very good friends with most of them. Um, so I know what they're catching. I talk to them when we're out there, you know, Mark, what do you see? What do I see? You know, they, they catch certain sections of fish and then all of a sudden they just show up on the bank for some, some reason, either the Ilex get really piled up in there and the swords come to the bank during the, you know, in the evening and then they stay there. Hmm. Um, and then it's good from August, September and October. And just the worst part about September and October is just the weather yeah. and you got to deal with the weather. Um, so, you know, you have squids and mackerels, but catching bait would probably be this, the single best doesn't matter. Just like bluefin fishing, right? It's all mm -hmm. determined on bait. Always. So always. So in a canyon, I drive around, and and I'm sure you guys have heard this, and it's one of those one of my, you know, secrets. But I catch a lot of squid during the day. You know, we drive around with the bottom lock on, and in 150 fathoms, you drop the jigs to the bottom, and you catch four at a time live, you know, 12 to 16 inch elect squids. Just load yourself better? up for the night. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just load yourself up. So when you go to take your first drift, you know, at night and you put two squids at 60 feet with 60 pound fluoro, the, what we call them the traveler elephants, you know, ones that are just rip, ripping around on the surface, feeding on the weed and stuff like that. You might pick one or those two fish off and then it brings the entire school yeah. to the back of the boat. And then you get the chunks coming and then you just bomb away. Hmm. That was one of our textbook, you know, tricks that we did you know, in Jersey for a lot of years, we would be done by midnight, boxed up 18, 24 fish, whatever limit was. And we we're on our way home. So, so, so what do you have? You kind of mentioned, you know, wind ons and things prior. And now you're mentioning uh 60 pound floral. What are you doing for like setups at night? How are you rigging all your gear? Maybe just like a so, basic overview of, of what you have prepped for the night. Your work, your workflow, basically right. like, um, like, how, do you rig all your night stuff like the day before? Are you kind of like doing it during yeah. the doldrums part of the day? People are always interested in like your process and, and maximizing your time for a specific fishery, in this case, night fishing. So all my night fishing, let's just say stuff, all my rods and reels, never see the sunlight. Okay. They don't come out until the sun is just about going. The sun is not overhead. They're not sitting in a rocket launcher, just the, sun, the line being baked. Um, I like a pen, uh, 15, you know, a narrow VISX as a trunken reel. And then I have two to three seventies rigged for a couple different applications for swordfish. Um, so everything stays downstairs. It lays right on the floor, ready to go. So I just say, all right, Brian, it's six thirty, seven o'clock, pull all stuff out, you know, and we slowly start winding everything in. And then that way, two things, the line is not sun bleached all right. day, you know, it's not baked on sun. Even though you're, you know, you're attentive 
during the day for line twist and, and you know burn. I know that line is one hundred percent perfect. Just from the clips, yeah. I mean, the clips alone just destroy your just line, destroying everything. Yeah. You know, especially when you're throwing spreader bars, you're throwing heavy stuff. Yeah, you know, you're tearing the stuff apart, and that's a that's one of the little things. That's why the the top shot works so well, and it's one of the things I do this time of year. I prep all my top shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have hundred top shots at least of every you know size ready to go. So you put that new fresh line on you're going to get more bites. I yeah. mean, you, you know, that just like giant fishing, you wind on new top shot. You could have two old rods. They eat the new rod every single time. Always. Yeah. Every single time. Um, and it's good to experiment. So I pull the, the two sword rods out. One I have set up for a squid and one I have set up for a mackerel. I always put a mackerel out. Uh, mackerel is a very good bait. How are you rigging yeah. your mackerel? Just like basic description. <laughs> basic Flutter, description. Flutter, stick. Just, no, for a sword, you're going to want the flutter. You don't yeah. want the stick because they hit the stick sometimes. And, you know, because they swat at it, they they could bang the stick through, which yeah. I've had happen. And then it double backs on itself. You just want to flutter, tip exposed, so the gills, so the mouth. Done. Very simple. Yeah. And not, it doesn't have to be a, a big mackerel. I actually like like a, a small, like 175 gram one. Um, first sword I ever caught first cannon trip ever was on one of those flutter Mac, like medium size straight off the bank. We just call them gumdrops bigger than a tinker, smaller than a a regular one. Kind of, you want the max that you can catch, uh, in the springtime is the skinny ones. Yeah. I like them because little, little eel snaky action. Yeah. Yep. And just put a regular, a nine out, whatever hook you want to use, you know, (laughs) um, you know, because I'm an erotic person about hooks, and I look at every one and every burr. You know, we fish very simple rig. You know, 300 uh, 300 pound LP to a spro, wind it on the very simple similar yeah. giant rig, wind it on the rod about a fathom or two apart. I do a floss loop, and that's where we hang our light, and the lead gets zip tied to the light. Yeah, because all LP stuff, you just zip it. That way, when the light comes up, you grab the the long one piece. Line, done. One piece throw it down and everyone's like, Oh, you got to put the light a fathom away when it's closer. And I got away from that because when you're charter fishing, you, you can't be constantly adjusting at the last second and you're up by yourself all night. So I always put it one, about nine feet above the swivel. Hmm. So that would leave you about 25 feet away from the fish. Yeah. So the fish would come up. So I'd see the light. I'd have enough time to unclip the light. And the fish is nowhere near the running gear at that point. Let's just say he's doing a big circle. You pop the light off 25 feet away. He's still doing a pretty big circle. Yeah. He's not right at the back of the boat where the most – it could go wrong very fast. Mm-hmm. I'd have the harpoon right next to me. I unclip the light, throw it right in the track of the, of the boat, um, you know, where the water spills out, get it out of your way, pick up the harpoon, wind on the leader, dead. You know, take take your shot. Wish it was that nice, easy. easy. Summer, you know, <laughs> summer I'm... easy. I had a tough summer. Uh, this summer was my hardest. You know, we all remember. You can remember your good catches, but you always remember the top three bad ones. You know, yep, I can remember. Absolutely. You, you, I remember we lost uh, a giant on George's. Um, that was a, a scary one, I and mean, we caught a thousand pounder, and this thing just blew the doors off of it. We got cut off by another boat. Um, Evan Millis, who I was with, I thought he was literally going to kill the other guy. I mean, 
jump on the other boat. He drove up to him. I thought he was going to jump on the boat and kill the guy. You know, and it's not not that the fish, you know, the money or anything, you know, because the fishing was so good then. But just we were working on this thing for three hours and we were the only boat there. And the guy short trips us, you know, and he hooks up too and he burns us off. And I was like, frustrating, you know, frustrating. But swords are very frustrating as well. Yeah. And the only way you catch them is staying awake and watching every single bite. You know, um, if any of you guys, in, when I go fishing at night, I could care less about catching the elephant. You know, I'm kind of, and not to be spoiled, I'm, I'm definitely over it. Yeah. You know, um, the, the massacring of the fish. And well, after tens things. of thousands of tunas. Well, yeah, you're all set. So this, this is, this is where I almost got fired. Uh, oh, yeah. So one of the first canyon trips on the Rebel that I, that I took the guys, and I'm not used to fishing with, with Mike and all his friends. You know, I'm just, you know, Phil designed me to kill, you know, <laughs> seek and destroy, just level everything in my, because I was very fast at what I was doing. You know, and I, I'd have 10 rods ready to go. When you break one off, break some off, fire another rod in, hook as many as possible. And that's how you catch a lot of fish at night. You know, most people don't understand that you got to hook three or four on a t- at a time instead of going one at a time. The fish might not only be there for a little bit. Um, so... Phil tuned me in really good. You know, I remember I'm going out, we're in the dip. There's nothing really going on in the day. I'm looking around, you know, I find exactly where I'm going to anchor up. I chucked the anchor at that time. And, and the guys I'm with, I've never even seen the anchor go out. And I'm a one man band because I don't even have a mate. It's like just my, you know, the owner, his two or three good friends. So I'm smoking, like, oh. smoking cigars right next to you while you're putting <laughs> yeah, no, they don't, no, the one good thing, the one very good thing, my boat is a very clean boat. That's great. Like, no one's allowed to smoke. You know, you touch anything, you're washing. I'm, I'm very, I'm neurotic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the, you know, no one. And I have a bad OCD complex, super bad. Actually. <laughs> you guys are becoming more and more similar. Yeah, as Taylor, you're talking. He keeps looking at well, me. I'm, looking time. Like, I'm the only one that's allowed to tie knots on my boat. Yeah. I stop, I walk away from the helm every knot because when we're pulling on something, and especially in a, in a private boat game, um, and it's nothing against shark, my mate, and he could do it. I just, I, when I, when we're pulling and I go, want to go with 35 pounds of drag or something like that. And I crimp everything as well with the crimping system I have. I want to know that I can pull as hard as I want. Yeah. You know, I want to know my tackle is, you know, we all spend hours, you know, not hours, but, Days, days on end, rigging everything. Um, that's the so confidence piece. That's the confidence. That's the confidence piece. Yeah. So, go out. We anchor up. Boom. Okay. I see a couple of fish go by in the machine. It's like eight o'clock. I remember. I'll never forget. Double header. I'm like, oh, here they come. You know, I'm <laughs> like, this is great. You know, we catch about eight or nine. Eight or nine for maybe like thirteen or fourteen. Like, you know, okay average for guys that really haven't been doing it like me. I'm freaking out that we lost three you know and <laughs> so you know, every everyone to me because every fish that we got to catch was one more fish that we got to go home early which means we would have a couple more hours at the dock so we're going and going mike's reeling a few in he does like three in a row he's like i'm shot you know he goes to lay down his boy wear his buddy out go on 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 so at like three in the morning you know how it goes just all out, wide open, full hand in combat, melee. I'm like the guy in Predator. I got fluttered. <laughs> you know, 
you know, no shirt on, full skins, gaffs everywhere. You can't, I, I had to make a pen in the 45. I would take the coolers and the fish bag and just put them into this pen, you know, and, uh, you know, complete all out carnage, you know, all what, out this, what you dream about basically. Yeah. And, yeah. But that was what I was just used to, yeah, you know, because yep. I just got off the Canyon runner. I'm like, here we go. I'm back, back in the saddle. You know, I remember Mike gets up and goes, Cap, you want a coffee? I go, yeah, I take one. He gets up. He like, looks at me. He's like looking at everything. He goes, don't ever fucking do that ever again. <laughs> he goes, you will not work for me if you do that again. I was like, ha 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 ha. He goes, no, no, no. I, I, I'm being dead serious right now. I'm like, ha ha ha. No, I'm serious. I was like, oh God. Oh God. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know. So what did he expect? That, well, he's just, you know, standard piece. I mean, he obviously liked it, but right. he just didn't want that. You know, we don't need to just seek and destroy yeah. type. Right. Type enjoy, and then, enjoy it more. Enjoy it more. And I'm just like, you know, three rods are going. I got the rod going out of my hand to the rigger. You know, I'm like putting another sardine on two balloons just to get it away from the boat. So when the fish eat it, it goes off again. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and then I remember getting to the dock and I'm like, I had to deal with it all myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this again. You know what I mean? So, but it, that evolved into kind of what my program is now. And my, my, uh, my owner just wants to catch large animals. Yeah. He wants to get big things. Um, that's why we enjoy the big eye fishing so much, Blue Island fishing. You know, yes, we, he wants to catch the elephants. He wants to catch some albacores, but he does not want to do the, you know, the kind of what you do on the canyon. He doesn't want to get bites. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to troll. Like my boat, I will never put a six-inch squid out. Yeah. Just because everything eats a six-inch squid. Like everything on my boat is is at least 11-inch going out. Gorilla you gear. Know? Gorilla gear. I, I I fish a lot of heavy gear, um, and that's just because that's what he wants to catch. Yeah. You know, he, he loves the big eye fishing now that we have, blue marlin fishing. Just, you know, we could switch over, you know, and catch blue fins and stuff like that, and sure, and catch the smaller stuff if we have to, but it's just not part of our program. Yeah. So back to the you know. back to the big eyes and the night fishing. Is there anything that you do to tweak? Like if you know there's a lot of, you know, big eyes feeding at night and stuff, or is your spread pretty much look the same? The only thing you could do different with the big eyes is fish a little bit deeper. Um, you know, he's, if there's... He's, he's holding back. <laughs> Cookie right now. Not He's been texting me. He not stopped texting me. You know, I've only not talked to him in 12 hours ago. So, uh, but going on with the, uh, with the big eyes. So the, the night fishing is hard for them. You know, I, I would say there's no rhyme or reason. It's something I've tried to figure out certain years I've caught more at night. And then there's years that we go that we don't catch any at night. Hmm. It doesn't make any sense because the long honors are right outside of us and they're meleeing them, you know? Um, but if you want to catch them, I would fish definitely from 25 fathoms down to 50 fathoms, you know, and fish a, a squid and uh, fish a mackerel, same way you're doing sorting. Most of the times, the big eyes you do catch is on the sword rod. Mm-hmm. Um, you do catch a couple on the liveies. I have, but there's no way to specifically target them. You know, the one thing I I have seen the ones you do catch at night are all hammers. You know, the the Interesting. I could, all the ones. Um, it is solo fish. My, you think? No, the the 
the little ones are are pack fish. You know what yeah. I mean? They're the, you know just like anything else, like just like the swords. When the swords come, the smaller ones always school up. The big eyes, you know, the ninety to one hundred and sixty pounders, they're in, they're in one herd. Once they get over 180, 200, and you can see a trolling when you get doubles. Yeah. You know, you get anything over 200, generally, sometimes they're doubles. Most of the time, they're singles. Mm-hmm. You know, the single, we call them rogues, single rogue ones. And all the ones at night I've ever caught, I've caught a, I'm trying to think, maybe a dozen at night, my whole career. Yeah. And we caught some, you know, that's a, that's a lot. Some years we caught some, some years we caught none. You know, and then the you know years I was on a canyon, there was no big eyes then. But some of the ones you do catch now are all, you know, the two thirty, the two forty, the seventy four, seventy five inches, seventy. You know, real big stuff eat the bait. Yeah. Um, are you doing much probably, trolling at night? So, five years ago, we we had this fishery down here in the tails. It started in the tails in the Hudson, where it was based on the moon, where you could set it to your clock that. We would wait till everyone stopped trolling. And then me and a few guys with me and Teddy, I remember we were one of the first few guys and Dean was there too. And we would just get going at eight o'clock at night. And it was from about eight to one in the morning. It, it would go where we'd only troll a couple rods. You know, you'd only troll five rods. That's the most effective spread. Yeah. Um, but going back to the, I don't, I don't want to get off topic too much, but going back to the, the chunking of the big eyes, it was just weird that how you couldn't chunk them and then the guys outside of you were wailing on them. And then the second you put the boating gear in the morning on the same number, they were right up on the surface feeding. Hmm. So it's one of those things that I think they only come up, you know, and it's proven they only come up to the, off the bottom, off the deep scattering layer a few times, two or three times a day, just either warm up and feed and then they shoot back down. But I also think at the same time, there's so much squid and food down there. Why do they have to come up? Yeah. That's always, it's always my question. Why? You know, they always come up. Um, why do they come up in the middle of the day sometimes? You know, why is it always, you know, everyone, when I was trained by guys I grew up with, you know, big eyes only eat first light and last light. You know, I would say 95% of our big eyes are from nine in the morning. Nine, three in the, nine in the yeah. morning seems to be I've like so up. many of them in the middle, like noon time. Noon, yeah, yeah. Hot, blazing hot sun, and, and then you know, just you see a water ski wipe out behind a spreader bar. Yeah, you know, um, so it's it's a hard one to think, you know. And they're a big fish; it's one of the bigger fish you can catch out there, besides the blue marlin. So that's why you know, and and people's minds are like, oh, you could sell this thing, you know. That's why they like catching them. I just like catching them because they're big and they're cool, and multiples, and and they challenge and they humble you. Yeah, right? you know. You know, it's it's a challenge because you can't figure them out. You know, um, as much time as I spent, as much as we know, we really don't know. Yeah. You know, why do some boats catch them and some boats don't? You know, I don't have a secret Joe shoot or a secret lure or everyone's like, you're, you, they, they're doing something different. They're doing different leader. They're doing lighter leader. They're doing 16 rods. And, and I'm the complete opposite. Our fishing has got down that I, I only want to troll seven rods. You know, um, the more is not better. And that's one thing I've, I've learned. Seven you know, rod spread is the bomb. That seven, because every boat has the same good spot. You're always, your short riggers or your shotgun, but whatever it is, is always going to be your most productive lures, you know, in your boat. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's a hard one for most people to grasp. You want to catch the elephants and long fence? 
bomb out 16 rods, you know, because your rods and reels can handle it all. You're not going to have crisscrosses, but you don't want to hook nine big eyes. Yeah. No, you know? it's not fun. So, I, I did it's seven... fun for about 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this summer I, I had, I did the most, we did seven for seven on, on buck fifties and it was the most chaotic thing. And I can't believe we still got them all, <laughs> but you know, we, we saw the fish high noon. I just rolled into the Hudson. You know, we were coming off of, you know, you guys spent some time in beach this year where we had some real good, uh, fishing in beach. I talked to my buddy, Teddy, I'm like, Teddy, what's going on? He goes, ah, oh, not much here. I'm like, ah, all right. I'm going to throw, you know, throw the gamble. I called a couple guys. They're like, yeah, there was some fish down here. So I just remember rolled into the Hudson right down the West side. I see the normal, you know, boats spread out every mile or two miles. I see you buddy of mine bobby matthews i'm like okay maybe i'll stop here you know you know you want to stop around other good boats you know i remember rolling in i just set the spread out and uh mike my boss walks up to the helm he goes hey what's that right over there and you could see him on the surface like everyone the guy like you pull the dorsal out like when you take a picture of the big guy and i never i'll never forget as long as it was 50 fins on the surface wow. just wobbling i'm like Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! You know, and I'm like shark. Look at this! And shark looks up. He goes, "What's that, buddy?" And I look back. And I'm like, "Why don't you turn around?" And then it was just absolute. And my boss's son, who's we, we haven't caught a big eye to this point, he just started fishing with us. You know, uh, every day, every trip now. You know, he's never seen it. And then everything in the entire spread got taken out. I mean, there was every spar bar which was mangled. There was stuff broken in half. They're still trying to eat it out of the rigger. And me, I don't know if I was just so in shock. I was, I, fro- I definitely froze because I normally don't let the boat go as long as I did. And I probably let it go for 30 seconds because they were still piling on. And I was in the cockpit with everybody. Just trying to clear everything. <laughs> and we're still hooking them. You know, Mike's like, keep going. I'm like, I'm right here next to you. And we're, of course we're going to keep going, you know. So, and we ended up going seven for seven. After about an hour and a half, two hours, I throw them literally back in whatever pieces of rod, I would say, you know, and I'm like, the rod, because stuff is touching, they're all, I'm freaking out, because now i got to do top shots, and I'm like, because I want everything perfect, I don't want, there's not a second in my mind, you put a rod out, you know, that's not 100%, when you go fishing with me, that would be the last time you're on my boat, the last time you work for me, that's, there's no question that, I want to pull 35 pounds. You can pull. So, you know, we throw them back in. I remember letting the bomber out. I lock it up and I'm just putting it in the holder and the thing waffles it right out of my hand. And I'm like, Oh God. So Mike, I remember Mike just takes a ballyhoo. It was like curled because I reeled it in fast. It was spinning. He throws it out. Thing just gets leveled. Hook another double. We got nine. And I'm like, okay we're done like, <laughs> yeah stop time out this isn't even safe like we haven't tied the tower the the boat is <laughs> destroyed why do you have big you guys know? tied to the tower hanging hanging off no the no, side no of not the in the tower oh. but we use our tower legs <laughs> okay yeah, like, yeah, yeah. rope don't, tail rope because you try a hundred yeah, you, we'll you, break your hand if right, you get an yeah. ear your hand and trying to control i thought you meant like tied to the tower no 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 no. <laughs> like, so, i don't know why yeah. anyone would want that so we we keep going and you know because of in reach now, you know Teddy texts 
texts me. He's been, you know, we text each other nonstop. He's one of my best friends. And, you know, every day we talk for an hour every day, you know. So he, he texts me, goes, what's going on down there? Like, I, I just went nine for nine. And it was like, what? You know, <laughs> just like, I'm like an explanation. He goes, what? Come again. He goes, where are you? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, well, I caught three daytime swords. We're fighting one right now. I'm like, oh, that's good. He goes, where are you? I'm like, what? You're not coming here. You're in, you're in fucking beach. You know, <laughs> like send me your numbers. So, so he's both, he's running out, both called Missy Haven. I couldn't punch the numbers in. And like, I'm giving him headings. I'm like, Teddy, you're 88 miles from me. He goes, I don't care. I'll see you. In, I'll see you in three hours. You know, and I'm like laughing and, and he froze. He didn't know. Cause he likes catching big guys just yeah. as much as I do. And it, I mean, crippled them. I, I've taken them out a few different times this year. You know, him and I, we, you know, we have a, a friendly competition, but it's a good, him and I want each other to catch the fish just as yeah. much as anyone else. So as long as him and I are on them, that's fine. Um, so we finally get cleaned up. I'm fine, like organized, you know, I start trolling again. We catch a yellow fin. I think we caught a white. You know, I, I'm ex- everyone's wiped out on the boat. Like shark is just pouring water on himself. <laughs> you know, he's just like laying there. You know, and I look up and I see, you know, like something out of like Baywatch, like David Hasselhoff, like what a sixty Viking wide open slow motion, like white water just. I'm like, oh my! He just steamed here from beach. I'm like, he's out of his mind. You know, like the guy, uh, clearly you got to stay out another night. Now they've, they've steamed 120 miles, now 80 down. Now they go, you know, I'm like, you got on fuel? Because I'm not telling you home now because you're, you're self-inflicted, buddy. You know, like, so, and we get there trolling. No one gets a bite for the rest of the day. Oh, man. It's me, Teddy, and Dean. Dean hooks up. I remember, I'll never forget. Dean hooks up. I see Zajac because... You know, when you troll around each other, binoculars on each other, you're watching each other. I see Zajac go darting to the back. Rod's waffled over. They snagged the manta ray. So, you know, immediately <laughs> we're, we're, we're right on top of them. And Mike's like, yeah, this isn't good. You know, I'm like, okay. Um, nothing at night. So it goes on. Nothing at night. Now Teddy's like, oh, God, this was a poor decision. He goes, well, you know, where they are in the morning is where they're going to be, where they are in the after- You know, they don't go too far. Yeah. You know, if the, if the wind doesn't change, if the storm doesn't come through, they generally don't move. And then same thing in the morning again. The next morning, here comes the sun. You know, sun comes up. There's 15 boats due to our member services, you know, because Adam's like, what are you catching? He goes, nine big eyes. You know, anyone who had 400 gallons of fuel in their boat is right, right next to me right now. There's a party boat trolling next to us. You know, I'm like, oh, oh God. Man. You, know, you know, so now I'm like, this is going to be a long, you know, long day. And, and we're maxed out. Like, I'm, we can hold nine big eyes effectively with our ice and, you know, the, the way I designed the boat, we can hold a lot of fish. Um, so it goes, you know, morning, you know, guys keep coming around. Everyone's cutting me off. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting pissed off now because, like, you know, a couple of us found the fish. Then you got these other guys who really don't know about current and tide and, you know, which way the fish are going to feed. You know, so now I got to troll away from everybody, you know, and we yep. kind of, you know, I lure them out, you know, and go and back like, in. Oh, you you got to be very, and it, it's, that's big eye fishing. You got to be very precise. And when the kind of the same conditions are happening, I remember I made a turn and like, you know, 
Teddy and I would start fishing around each other. We we literally turn each other's riggers. We never say a word on the radio because we work just like Dean. We work very well together. There's no cut each other off. You know, we are we, we all know how to give way to each other. I remember Teddy made a turn. I watched him get waffled. I remember looking at my plotter. I'm like, oh, there was a mark there. So I turn, and as I turn, I look at the machine. And it was just like 100 on the machine. I'm like, uh-oh. You know? <laughs> Stuff's and about I, that, to break. I thought it was going to get taken out. We ended up going three for three again, and then that was it. No one else got another bite the rest of the day. There was boats there for the next two days. The fish never – whatever happened, the herd left. Or we t- we took out too many of the family members, you know. <laughs> and I just remember we caught, you know, we caught twelve, and uh, you know, which has been a, a big thing of mine. I I like the last five years with this boat. I've had a double digit day every year. Wow, um, that's awesome. You know, a lot, a couple tens, you know, eleven. This is a you know a twelve, and uh, I'm like, wow, that's a good day. And I'm I'm like not even realizing, you know, from what we used to catch to what we catch now, it's you can't miss, you know, it's yeah. nothing greater than that. That's good fishing. Really yeah, good it was, fishing. It was, it was good fishing. Um, so, you know, this year was obviously very good from the start. We had very good bluefin fishing offshore, all sizes. Um, the bluefins, the giant bluefins are really making a comeback down here. We, we, we caught 10 of those this year. Which, That's awesome. What, know, what time of year never, was that? We caught one every month. Oh, perfect. So, so, and it's something to do with, uh, you know, we do a lot of the tagging stuff um, and going on and on. We keep, t- you know, telling everyone, you know, that, you know, all the, the different meetings I sit in on. Like the bluefins are going to be, a, you know, with Walt Colette. I'm sure you guys know him. Um, he does all the bluefin tagging. You know, I told Walt, I said, listen, I don't know what's going on in a stock assessment, but I've never caught a keeper bluefin at a Shinnecock every single month I went fishing. And it's not like we caught them in one spot. In May, June, July, we caught them in the canyon. During the Montauk Challenge, I caught two. You know, I caught a 300-pounder and I caught a 700-pounder, yeah. just like you guys did in one of the tournaments. You, yeah. you know, yeah. just all of a sudden, big eye bite, and you get waffled, and you got to fight it because you don't know. It's it's actually they're, – they're terrible for tournaments. Oh, they're horrible. We hooked on within – the first four and a half minutes of fishing? Yeah, probably less. We had two two rods out, yeah. and they were on it for three hours, you know? And then we you had it in the know. cockpit for two days. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you don't know. That's yeah. the thing. Right. You know, you pull on one, and, and if you pulled on a real 250 big eye, you're, you're going to pull on it for an hour and 45 minutes, right. two hours. A real one, you know? And it, any of the ones over 73, 74 inches, the real 250 pluses, they're all hour and a half, every single one. It's very rare you catch a big one quick unless it chokes on a bomber and dies <laughs> yeah. which i've only had out but you know that that'll be the luckiest thing but so we we started catching them offshore and then those fish i think are the ones that you guys start seeing in the spring they come out of atlantis they use atlantis and beach as like kind of their portal yep. to come in shore. they come in from offshore they, they sit in those canyons only we thought we'd be able to catch them in the hudson but we don't catch them in the hudson in the spring for mm. some reason we catch them in the fall but not in the spring and then they go up by you guys, they, they hang out, and then that's their summer hole. And then down off the butterfish hole in the summer, we started catching them. It started in July, where you would hear guys getting picked off. Oh, I got spooled. I got that. You know, and you use social media to your advantage, you know, because yeah. you read between the lines, and we all do it. You know, you look at other people's reports. You know, I got dumped. And you kind of got to 
put it in perspective of right. whose tackles what yeah. you know and then i'm like wow and then a buddy of mine's like no mark I, I got dumped on a 50 i couldn't stop it i was like really uh i remember dan smalley went in there you know he was he was one of the first few guys to go you went right in there you know caught a couple fish right off the bat kept it quiet he told me he goes you're gonna want to get in here you know i remember I was sleeping. It was eight o'clock at night and my phone would not stop. Like it was just one of them. I'm like, who's texting me right now? Like everyone knows, you know, <laughs> I shut and, it down and, at eight. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Dan, you need to call me right now. You know, I'm like, Oh God, you know, I thought he had a problem. You know, I'm like, all right, Dan, what's up? He goes, you gotta get, you gotta be here tomorrow. You know, I'm like, all right. So it's eight o'clock at night. I don't have any of my giant stuff together. I, you know, I have it all in like a plane, you know, a couple of Plano boxes. I just got to grab it all. I call Shark. He lives a couple of streets over. I'm like, Shark, you got to get to my house right now. And he's like, you know, and he's like pretty tuned up. You know, he's been drinking. <laughs> you're doing anything the next day. And I remember he comes over with one, one of his buddies and we load all the stuff. And I'm like, all right, we got to get to the boat at four. You know, I call my, my boss. I said, just be at the boat here. Just, just please trust me and, and just do this, you know. So we get there, you know try to catch a bluefish. We can't catch a bluefish. You know what I mean? One thing I, I you know, I got my gill netters out, no, not a single bluefish. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> I got some mackerels. I'm like, I, and I kind of don't, you know, you don't want to go out to, you know, giant fishing without good bait. It's a yeah, waste right. of time. I, I, you got, you know that better than anyone. So we have a couple of good Macs. I'm like, all right, let's just go. We steam down there. I get there. There's 50 like little boats there. I'm like, Oh God. Oh no. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, what? I'm like, these are definitely not the right numbers. You know, once you get in again, because Dan was already in. And, you know, there's 50 boats, charter boats. Uh, Seamus Mara was there on the big game. You know, guys catching, you know, I pull up and they're, I see the 27 inches flying over like, you know, everyone's whipping them in on their Ron Z's. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, everyone's excited. So there's a mark on the machine. I remember my boss drops a jig. And he swings and I see him come tight. I'm like, oh no, oh no. You know, and thank God it was just like a, a foul hook little one. I'm like, okay, reel that rod in. You know, yeah. that one's going to go away. Run back up, flutter Mac out, just like up, up, you know, up Chatham. I'm like, yeah, you know, put this one on the bottom. I'm just explain to everyone as it's doing, you know, as we're going, because we, we haven't really giant fished on my boat, you know, like we do canyon fishing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, either one or two things are going to happen. You're going to get a waffle bite or it's kind of just going to, you know, slack the band off or, or, but generally it's just be a waffle bite. And I remember I looked up in the machine. I didn't see anything. And I saw one fish go by. I'm like, all right, they they are, they do live here. You know, I'm not, I'm (laughs) not, they do exist. And I know what they look like. And, and, uh, you know, I remember the guy Woody was with us. He goes, is that a shark? I'm like, no, that's not a shark. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's no mistaking when that thing oh, yeah. goes by the back. Right. And I just remember I'm I'm watching the down rod and, and the rubber bands and I'm looking and I'm staring right at it. I'm like, oh come on. You know what I mean? I know it's gonna go. And I got my hand on the on the long balloon and the the long balloon just takes off. You know, like I, I was don't know how to even cut my hand, you know, because I had it on the grip and the line is running oh, over yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know how still this day I didn't now we get the fish. You know, they're reeling the rods and everyone's just in shock because until you see a 130 lap over, yeah. you know, you know, my boss and, and Shark are just like, oh my God, yeah. things just. And the noises, the noises that people the don't The noise, understand. and I have it, 
with with Fred's new butt, I have it in a lower position, so I'm trying to adjust that T10X. You yeah. know, get it up, get it in the holder, safety line, tie it tight. You know, um, I have teak on my boat, so I don't have a. We made some custom LT rod holders just for my boat, but they haven't been tested like this. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, oh, I hope you know everything is going through my mind. Of <laughs> what could go wrong next? You know, so we're going on and on and on, and. You know, the fish takes off away from the boats. I'm like, yes, nice, easy one. I'm like, yeah. yes, point for mark. All of a sudden, it comes on the surface and starts charging the fleet. On the surface, the thing never went down. Full reverse, like blue marlin speed, walls of water in reverse. That's sick. Every boat there, because they've never seen, I'm the only boat with 130s, everyone else has their spinning rods. You know, I am just backing through. I mean, literally, guys wouldn't move because... <laughs> They were just paralyzed because they see the fish. The 130s laughed over. They're like, you know, and they're like, and they don't even know which way to go because they're not even experienced enough, you know, to to drive out of the, you know, get out of the the lay of the fish because the fish is all over the place. Someone's yelling at me, control that fish. And I'm just like, all right, none of you guys have clearly, you aren't controlling a hundred inches. And you guys have seen that hundreds of times. So, for the good thing about the Rebel, backs up, you know, full 10 knots reverse, you know, and I'm, and I, the thing only runs off 200 feet of line and I'm just seeing it on the surface the whole time. And I'm like, and he won't go down. I'm like, Oh, this oh, is going to suck. This is going to suck. Yeah. I can't we call see those uncatchables. Oh yeah. And he's, he, he, they do that head flare. Oh, yeah, where yeah. The, the gills are flared and he's shaking his head. I'm like, Oh, this isn't good. You <laughs> know what I mean? This isn't good. You know? And, uh, Rip in reverse, you know, and this goes on not even long, 15, 20 minutes, you know, but for that's an eternity on the surface, you know. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, a couple of times he was in the back of the boat, now he's off the bow, like, you know, back into the turn. Um, how I didn't break him off on the side of the boat because the rod, kind of in that video you guys put up recently where the rod is down and then it just goes all the way over, yeah all the way over and that's what it did on this thing and i'm like oh you know i'm cringing you know i'm watching everything and i'm like and then everyone's pointing because i'm looking at everyone else because i'm trying to pay attention what guy in, you know in a rabalo is going to get in my way next you know <laughs> yeah. you know i'm screaming at the top of my lungs literally screaming because i i can't walk to my i don't have a radio in the cockpit so i never got a chance to be like listen just everyone just get out of my way for a little bit Everyone following. Then you got people taking pictures, trying to get alongside <laughs> of me. You know, one guy, as I'm going to harpoon it, I almost T-boned him because he's taking pictures. He's on my bow thinking he's out of the way. And I had to go forward. I just kept the boating gear and I look forward and he's right there. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. You know, neutral. And then the fish finally does some weird maneuver where he either puts his head down and he starts black backing away from the boat. Like kind of what a blue Marlin does yeah. when they're found. He's just paddling along, you know? And I'm like, all right, you know, like 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in, I got both harpoons and no one is, you know, we all have a lot of experience, but no one's seen this, this act. And you know how this goes down. So yeah. well, listen, <laughs> get start. him early, get him early, <laughs> yeah, baby. I, I know I, you, yeah. you got to take your shot. You right. always take your shot. Yeah. You know, you don't say I'm going to get him next time when he turns, cause you'll chafe him off. You have a shot, you take it. Mm-hmm. So he's paddling away and I fish a pretty long leader. It's, you know, a couple arm lengths and wind him down and he's just black backing away. I'm like, oh, 
You know, like I'm just, I already know how much rope is going to get ripped out of the boat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have the it harpoon is right now. Isn't it an awesome feeling though when you know when you get oh, it, yeah. what's about oh, to happen? So, it's like you just get so, so amped up. I'm amped up listening to this. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, my heart's going, and and Brian's like, get him. You know, everyone's like, get him. You know what I mean? And the swivel's barely on the water. You can see him. He's black. He's pretty, you know, 15 feet behind. So I just, do the, you know, I call it the lily pad. You know, I throw yeah. it up just high enough. And I mean, bang, got him right in the back. Perfect. Then he takes off. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> takes off with the harpoon, you know, harpoon, like a shark. With the harpoon, the 10-foot poon sticking right out of his back on the surface with the poon going. Oh I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, my, this is not good. You know, like, it didn't even come out of the, you know, out of the paint stick. It was just straight. Oh, my uh... That's the rope amazing. is just incinerating out of my hands, and I got the boat in full reverse, you know. And finally, I'm like, oh my, he slows down for a second. And thank God he slowed down because I dumped a lot of rope in the water and he got tail wrapped. You Perfect. Know? Perfect. Yeah. Pull him back, and I'm pulling him back, and he's and he's starting to pull back. And I'm like, I don't know where the rod, you know, we kind of don't know if the hook pulled, you know, right. you don't know if you don't, because everything's wrapped. You, yeah. you don't want to pull yeah. anything harder. I'm pulling, I'm pulling. I, you know, my boss has the other harpoon. I just like literally grabbed it. Revenge of the nerds. Like, <laughs> chucked it. I don't, luckily, I got them on the same side, like same side, like literally right on top of each other. And then guys are in, instantly swarming on us, you know, with the pictures. Like that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Meanwhile, I'm having hard palpitations, <laughs> you know, and I know it's big, you know, and it was like 600 pounder, you know, and then, the next task of let's get this thing in the boat, you know, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, floating them, dragging them around. And I'm just like, Oh my God. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. all right. So get them in the boat. We get back to the dock we're, we're you know, this whole fishing was close to the dock. It was only 45 minutes for us. So it was nice. I called the Marina managers, my best friend, Tosh. I'm like, Tosh, I need your help. I know it's your day off. Can you come down and weigh this thing for me? And then I'm going to throw it in my cooler and, you know, we'll tag it and, you know, off it goes. So we get to the dock. Everything's good. Mike's looking at me, the owner. I'm like, well, what do you want to do next? Like, well, what do you mean? You're like, we're, we're done? We're, no, let's go to the canyon. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> what? So we're going to go to the canyon. So I literally pull the 130s out. I shark pull the 70s out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is, you know, how intense. And I'm like, I'm now I'm game on. I'm like, oh, this is going to be sick. You know what I mean? We're going to go out. We roll into the same spot I was where we caught the 11. I go, let's see if they're still there. We pull in, and it was three or four yellow fins and a white right away because I got there at sundown, you know, by the time I'm traveling here, mm -hmm. traveling there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to punch in that same mark, you know, where we had them a week and a half ago, and I drive right over, three on. I'm like, no way this is going to happen. We go three for three, and I'm like, okay, we're done. You know, like, that, that's it. I, I, I'm done with the luck today. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I just steamed home. I'm like, we're all done. You know, at that point, we're all exhausted. Yeah. We've been up for a long time. I couldn't sleep the whole night before that, you know. And, uh, you know, that was probably our best day of fishing. That's a sick day. It was a sick day. Like, yeah. it, it, and everything, you know, our, everything, some days stuff lines up. Other right. days, stuff doesn't line up. Mm -hmm. And on the days it lines up, you got to take advantage of it. You always and th and this year in 2020 we had you know obviously an expensive fuel but we also had unbelievable fishing. It didn't matter what you fished for. If 
from the bluefin fishery to, you know, the big guy for the elephants. The only thing that was not good that we're all agreeing, the blue marlin, we did not have a lot of blue marlin this year. Um, yeah, I didn't you know, have a did, single blue marlin bite this year, I don't think. I did 20 overnighters this year. You know, I didn't see I didn't see one. That's a lot of time trolling. Yeah. So if you think about that, you know what I mean? Um, hmm. Why do you, you know, think that is? Any idea? Random? They come off the, the real eddy, but I think certain eddies have them. Like there's there's eddies that hold tunas and obviously eddies that hold whites and more blues and wahoos and more gold stream oriented. I don't know because there wasn't a single one caught in the in the white marlin open either. Yeah. So yeah. I think they just didn't come here this year, the big packs of them, because there was a really good bite off Hatteras off there in the big rock. I mean, there was loads of them caught in the big rock mm-hmm. and then they just didn't come up, you know, so certain things are good and then certain things are bad, you know, but our, our fishing has turned into, you know, pretty. It's world-class. The bluefin, the bluefin fishing up and down from Canada, you know, down past you guys has been ridiculous. It was ridiculous last year. Last couple of years, but last year specifically, you know. And it's, it's great for the industry. Everyone's busy. I'm sure you guys know, like tackle, tackle's a hard thing to get right now. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone is slammed. You know what I mean? You want stuff, um, you know, it's, it's two months, three months out you know, for certain things, you know, you're yeah. waiting on hooks, you know, and I, I try telling everyone order now, you place, <laughs> order it now. You're not right. going to get it. Right. You know, um, LP, you know, Tim at LP is busiest they've ever been. Yep. You know, I'm actually you doing get an LP today for- after this podcast, we're going through gear. Yeah. We have to put our pen, yeah. pen order in today. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, we, I did mine, you know, and, and they, you know, certain things they have and certain things they don't have. And well, we're going to triple try, you know, try new, you know, I want to try that new baitcaster they got. Yeah, yeah we ordered so, a couple of those too. They look. I, sick. I, I said I ordered one. I said I'll I'll catch a tuna on this thing. Oh yeah, you know. So one one thing that's been cool in the new stuff is that adjustable um, strike, like yep. preset with that little set screw. We actually because we fish a ton of circle hooks up here for you know giant fishing. We we put both on it. So we put okay. we put that little set like you know a little set screw like five ten pounds so no matter what if the charter goes over it's like just push it up to the first spot and you know it's at that light circle hook drag and then keep yep, just that. enough to hinge the hook exactly and, exactly you know, so. and, and that's a comfortable charter drag exactly right? yep they don't know when to pull or when not to pull yep. you know very very important and that's a hard thing to teach anybody you mm-hmm. know and that's why you know, having a good team and having a good crew is the most important thing, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're private boat fishing or charter fishing, but little things like and that's all the little things. Yeah. You know, that, that's that the makes difference getting them and not getting them, you know. Yeah. That first, you know, hookup bite, perfect hook placement, at least try to get perfect hook placement's important, you know. Um, speaking of tackle, we've been the trying famous to question. the famous question for all the hardcore experienced canyon guys. So if you have a hundred dollars, hundred US dollars, hundred US dollars, five rod canyon spread, you don't have to buy the rods line, you know, none of the terminal tackle, no hooks, no hooks, okay. just just the lures. You have the- ballyhoos, right? Just okay. just the lures, five rod spread, one hundred bucks. Retail, not yeah. your like back door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wholesale account. hand tied yeah. none of that like you okay. actually like have you're to... going to a shop and buying them uh the first one would be old school which i you know 
if you could find them, which I've hoarded, you know, enough for seven lifetimes of my life, would be an old seven strand zucchini big eye tuna clone. Okay. okay. But but the but it's pretty weird because the green has to be the dark green. You know, yeah, they have like a, like it's a, like a long, forest green. It's like a dark forest. Yeah, green. like a yeah. like a like a flow green, yep. but it's it's very vibrant. Yeah. And when it fades, it doesn't catch that well. But that's number one. That was one of the things that I've grew up fishing, and that thing has caught everything. And those were like ten bucks rigged too, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah, they're like Which oh people, yeah, old price. And guys still make yeah. stuff similar. You can pretty much replicate it. Like it's basically yeah. like a seven inch green machine or close to that size. Weighted five weighted ounces. Weighted bullet. You know, weighted bullet. Yep. Runs in any condition. Very good lure for the canyon. We'll um, call that ten bucks. Okay. I'll call that ten. <laughs> All right, you get 90 bucks. I mean, when you say canyon spread, see, like my canyon spreads are going to be a little bit different than anyone else's. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this... meaning that, you know, you, you have, I call it two different types. You have fishing, you know, where you just want to catch stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you got, like, what we do on the Rebel, which is just large, large animals. Only. Yeah. So, why don't we talk oh. about both? Why don't we go over the $100 right. catch everything and then you could talk about kind of what you guys Yeah, do. what you would add maybe or what you would change on the, if big, you had on the big fish. Infinite money. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I could do it both under 100 bucks. So oh, that's all right. right. Yeah, Perfect. there we go. Cool. Perfect. So, I would definitely go a three ounce keel weighted Joe shoot. Yep. All okay. right. Col- definitely. Color matter? Either pink and white or blue and white, but as long as it's fresh. As long as it's right out of the package, we pull it out, not, you know, not conditioned, you know, nothing like that. Right out of the tube, right from Joe, right retail. I don't, you know, so everyone that's asks 20, me. That's like 20 something bucks, right? 20, 20 something bucks. Call, yeah. You can call let's it 25. Let's call it 25 bucks. Okay. Yep. All right. And a lot of people ask me, you know, like, oh, you're catching Joe's tying you something different. You're sandbagging us, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you guys are probably like, he's doing something. He's got something else. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and you know everyone comes to my house because we do a lot of rigging here and uh i'm like it's the same stuff i'll pull it out you can come down to my boat you inspect my boat and most people think i'm still lying to them you know like no he's got a different head it's a different color purple you know but anything pink and white blue and white but the the key with that is most it's little things you know most people don't realize which way the shoot should run that's why the older one where it wasn't keel weighted the eyes should have went up and down, yeah. not left and right. Most people would just slap it over the nose and the thing would just spin along, you know, like helicopters. Mm-hmm. And that's why we made, when we were using them, even when we first started using them like Andy Runner, why it ran so much better because we knew how to rig a split bill off of that better than, you know, what most people were doing. Because if you take any Joe shoot and you roll it on a table, it's oblong shaped, right. you know, it's going to tumble. So that's part of the little things. Yep. Um, so we got the clone, the shoot, uh fresh out of the package islander tracker flasher blue and white Ooh, all right i wasn't expecting that that's an expensive lure yeah that's it's almost probably a th- it's like a 30 dollar lure isn't it yeah 30 dollars the tracker the four right. and a half inch oh okay the, tra- the little tiny one yeah but yep. still they're still expensive yeah they are. yeah they are um no knockoffs though all right you're at six well, they, they don't I'm produce a, they really I'm not don't a knockoff guy like I, you yeah. got to give credit where credit's due right you know for innovators certain things you know and that's what you you like you know yeah. it's like i i've always you know i don't buy a knockoff green machine you know the skirts might smell 
I've always bought a seven, you know, from a seven trim company from wherever they were made overseas. It's the green that I liked. It's, it's that confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what works for me. Right. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you can buy import stuff and it's cheaper, but you know, I, I like quality products. I'd rather spend the money. Um, so the next thing would be a Moyes rocket. Moyes rocket. Yeah. Which is a $30 lure. What's he up to? He's got to be close. He's right? at, dude, you're getting damn close. You're at $80, $30 lure. So it's 60, 85, you're 95 bucks. Ooh, what, what, <laughs> what color? What it's all right. It's all right. You could maybe. That's, that's five rods. Oh, that's four rods. That's four rods. Oh, God. Four rods. You get like well, a, you may, maybe you get like a sea witch at the maybe end. Andy, that's about maybe it. Andy gives you a discount. Well, well if you really wanted to get tactical, <laughs> one of you guys Googled the. I, I'm sure the tracker flasher is twenty. You know. Probably. All right, we'll give you twenty. We'll give We're you twenty. Give it to you. You're allowed one more. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll I'll go with the bomber. Okay. The bomber. What color? Eighty thirty. Oh, he's not gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> they all work. They all no, work. No, he no. says. Pink, pink or the goggle eye. See, Either I just, one. I just dig right in just to see if anybody's gonna slip up and say. Yeah, something. hesitation. <laughs> hesitation you, like the, you like the bright pink. Bright pink. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a the pink or the goggle eye. They all work. Yeah. Right. They uh, colors. You know why is that work in pink and a green works and the, you know why wouldn't all green one work? Right. Well, not because they don't have, but we. I've experimented and put those jig skins on them. Um, I painted them. Doesn't matter. Pink one always pink goggle eye, but that's what works for me. I know guys that troll that yellow one. Yeah. The nomads work, but you know the bomber for the thirteen ninety nine. You could buy a bomber at Walmart. You put know, some new hooks on it, and then you good good to go. So yeah. you're probably right there, at close to a hundred. Yeah, you're right around a hundred bucks. That you back know? one lure though, that Moy's rocket. I'm assuming it's just like a bullet style head. I'm not. So it's a copy of a Bob Schneider, basically streaker. Okay. Okay. It's like a long head. Be all, yeah. So the problem with the streaker is that even when I was buying them as a kid, there they weren't. None of them ran true. If you actually, you guys own, you guys probably have one or two somewhere kicking around. Yeah. Um, the hole wasn't always centered, so the lure would spin. Hmm. You know, and if you guys have met Andy, Andy's as insane OCD. You know, he every lure, he won't sell you a blimp. Every lure has to run true. So the lure runs perfectly straight the entire time. Um, you know, and it's just a basically just like a tuna clone. It's a bullet-shaped lure, tracking any sea condition. It weighs six ounces. You know, he does some good abalone work, but you don't need the fancy ab one. You could just use a prism tape one. Yep, yep. You know, it all work as long as it runs right. Are you putting a ballyhoo in that ever or just running it regular? No, no. But there was one toss up like the Melton Melton Cherry Jet that we I've been using that for 20 years. That that's been letting me down the last three or four. Honestly, it's always kind of let me down. I mean, I've caught a lot. We won a lot of tournaments on that thing. I mean, that's why one's called a Canyon Runner. You know, you know, and it's won me a lot of money over the years. But in the last two years, three years, I put it out and like. It catches a couple things, but not the the rock star it used to be. Right. It's like weird. Like it got, you know, you it got known. Now it doesn't work, right. which you know doesn't make any sense. Not like yeah. everyone's trolling, you know. A couple of guys troll them. I gave you know some guys, you know, tried this lure. You know, it works. Uh, but I really wouldn't change it too much. My my spread is generally simple. I add a couple spreader bars in there. Um, you know, when we're big eye fishing, I only fish two spreader bars. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, now, single now where, rods. Where are you running these? So if you had this five-rod spread, where are you running these in your spread? Uh, all right, the bomber is on the pink pink bomber. Always goes on the, <laughs> always goes on my starboard side. Yep. And if I fish a goggle eye, it always goes on my port side. And way in, way in tight or hundred feet off the tip. Okay. Hundred feet. I don't fish it with you know. I fish a longer wind on than most people. Um, you know, we we have it on a leader, but we also just run it off the tip. You know, set it and forget it. Yeah. The rod lap, so it's it's one of those things. Most some people never got a bomber bite, and it took us a while on my boat to find the exact speed that runs right. But you could ask any one of my crew that that's that's where it lives forever. That's it. Two of them wow. always. You, know, awesome. you always want to catch, you know, and it catches everything. What you pick a wahoo off of it, big mahis eat it. Every once in a while, the elephants eat it, the longfins eat it. Um, We've caught white on it, which was not good. <laughs> you know, there's a lot. Please of don't jump. Please don't jump. Please don't yeah, jump. Oh yeah. No, well, you know, I, I won't let anyone go near it because I want you know, if thing jumps, the plug comes at you. Yeah. You know, trying to get the hooks out of things. Face it looks like a saw movie. Better time it's done. You know, so, but it all works, and that's what everyone has to understand. It doesn't matter what you troll, but the little things of the speed. You know, there's there's hundreds of tackle companies out there, and everyone makes a good enough product. And but if everything's swimming right and, and fishing right, and we have confidence, then it's going to work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it doesn't Fish matter. Fish are that smart. They're, they're they're not that smart. No, you know, um, they are in some aspect. Like you right. want to like, like why do the fish all of a sudden only bite sixty pound leader at night? You know, like I don't believe that you have to drop down to forty pound or anything like that. But why is if you put the sword rod out, they're not eating the sword rod every single time, you know, and then you put 60 floral right next to it and he, he eats it, you know. So I, have one, of, I have one more night question that I need to get in before I forget it. Underwater lights, lights in general at night for you or are you a minimal light so, guy? So I grew up with two 12 volt lights on a boat called the Hawkeye I fished on. We caught more fish than most. So. I'm not a fan of the Durbright-esque, you know, just a couple, uh, you know, regular regular lights up top. And I, I don't like underwater lights at night. I do put them on for the bait, you know, just to kind of see it. But when we're actively fishing, I have them off. And then, like, if we're fighting something, yeah, I turn them on. But yeah. they're, they're, you know... It's all about show there. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Colors. That's just a dock thing. You know? yeah. And all you do is break. They all, they all suck. They do. You know? Every company that, you know, ours are unbreakable. They all burn out. They all, yeah. then you got to get hauled and then you can't, you don't want to show up to a tournament with one light, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know a, I, it's you know, like flickering at the does dog. The, uh, yeah, flashing, <laughs> exactly. Does the, color um, se- does the color seem to make a difference? No. With I have bait? blue ones, but yeah, it, it's, it's light. It's light, you know, spectrum that goes into the water. Um, you know, you do bring more bait up where certain boats, you know, but it doesn't create more shadows. It might, you know, certain edging off the boat, things like that. I've caught plenty of fish with them on, you know, and plenty of them with it off, you know. It, it's We never had them on a canyon runner when I was there, and we caught plenty of fish. Yeah. So, it's, you know. It's, That's an interesting answer. I kind of like it. I do, too. I think but, I've, but I've always know, been in the same mindset, too. It's like, I like some but not, some. A, not a lot. Yeah. 
I don't like it over the top. Plus, I don't know? like when it fucks with my night vision either. You know, I like yeah, to be able to. Yeah, you get a halo, or yeah, yeah. you know, you look, you look at one thing, and then you look at the the lights are so bright now in every sport boat because the LEDs. There's you know, so many lumens being pumped through. You, you look up, and you're like, oh god, you yeah. know. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a toss up question. So back to the spread question, and I think this is gonna kind of carry us out until we until we wrap it up, but. Um, your big fish, like big fish rebel spread, hundred bucks. Big fish rebel. How many rods? Five rods again. Five. You can go seven unless you, you think want. you can go seven yeah. with a hundred bucks. No, 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 I'm trying to do this maximizing effort. <laughs> two bombers. Definitely, probably two shoots. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would around 60, 70 bucks right there. Seventy bucks. That's a tough one for thirty bucks. I'm trying, and then I'd probably go. I'd probably go to charge it. Medium, medium though. Yeah, I'd probably go medium. You know, everything. I try to fish above sizing on everything, like the squids on the spreader bars. I do fish are all eleven inch. You know, like a big, you know, long tail. You know, very, very good and, action uh, on those squids. Yeah, good action. Same size bulb as a nine inch, but kind of more match in a hatch. You know. You do see some small squid, um, but it's it's tough. You know, I fish the same way as I do. You know, ten, we just tweak it a little bit yeah. each year. Yeah. You know, obviously the Ron Z has has a big part, but that's something that I've caught a fish on it. It does not work on my boat. Like it just, I, I know Dean and Mike. They that's all they do now. Yeah. You know, they fish a lot of them. Wow. Um, you know, but that and there's a lot of people that catch on them. That's just like when we have our seminars and stuff like that, there's a lot of good people in a room that are good fishermen, you know, but if you learn one thing from somebody else, that's, that's important. Like if one person picks up one thing, I'm sure someone's going to go out and buy a lot of pink bombers today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, uh, and, I feel like this is the new stock market. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everybody go out and buy it. Yeah. yeah. Go and buy but, Bitcoin. But if you don't know how to fish it, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can tell you, you know, it's the same thing, you know, and there's certain people that get mad at me. Why do you do these seminars? You're telling everyone a secret. I can tell you every secret I know from blue in the face, but not knowing how to apply it is entirely different. Right. And I can tell you all these night secrets, right? But what's the thing I told you in the beginning? You got to stay awake. You got to stay awake. That rules out 90% of the people. Uh, Way more. Maybe more than that. Way more. Way more. You know, and... I know this just from if someone calls me on the radio, I answer in about 1.3 seconds. You know what I mean? And everyone's like, you're awake. I'm like, well, we're out here to go fishing. We're not here, you know, to hang out and sleep and, you know, go in the bunk room, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that's how you put, you know, an okay trip to a good trip to a really good trip, you know? Cause if you're not awake and you're not changing the baits and you guys know this from the squid eight and your baits and stuff like that, if you're not changing the bait every five, 10 minutes, sometimes you're, you're missing out. Sometimes just one rod management, you know, yeah. that's it. And that'll get you what you need. Sword fishing. I, I fish two rods up and down the entire time. Mm-hmm. Up, literally set it, wait five minutes, check the other one, wait five minutes, check the other one, you know, and you get a lot of bites going up. I mean, ton of bites going up and down. Most people don't realize moving the rod is, is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting that action on the bait. This has been really Do you good. guys have any other questions for me that we would just wrap it up with? I or? have a million questions, but I think it's going to be for another episode. And we one, can go into more technical, is, too. 
Yep. Obviously, this is all fun, but safety is number one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we, we were texting back and forth, and you guys said, you asked me about my scariest moment. Like, yeah. I sunk on a dragger um, January 9th, 2012. <sighs> Went down in the raft, night like tonight, and that cannot prepare anyone. You, you're not mentally prepared. Yours, you know, you guys spend a lot of time in the water. I spent a lot of time in the water. You know what you got to do. You know how to deploy a raft. But knowing how to use your safety equipment, I can't stress. It's huge. Enough. Huge. How to rewrite you know I mean? a raft, all kind of stuff like that. Everything. I had to jump into water with the survival suit because our painter got caught in the outrigger. I had to, we had to cut it out. Um, and it was my first time ever going scalloping, you know, and we sunk on a, on a, on a buddy's boat. That's yep. I got out from this real, I got done monk fishing. My buddy's like, my deck can't, can't go tonight. I, you know, it's me, me and my, one of my best friends, Mike, Mike Bath. We went out and the only thing we think of is the rudder post snapped the, the collar and the post dropped. Cause when we went to go lift the Freeman, the entire Lazarus was full of water, pushed the bulkhead right through the water spilled forward. And we went down in less than 10 minutes. Jesus. Wow. And we were floating in a raft in the middle of the night and, what remember, time of year? You said it was, was it winter? Winter time? January 9th, 2012. Oh my God. You can Google on a 50 Duffy. And just drifting there at night in a raft with like two of your best friends. Just thankful to be alive. You know, you're, and you're, you're sweating. You're, you're, you don't even know it's, it's everything's happening so fast. My buddy worked his whole life for this boat. Just got it. You know, just started making money. Just started doing well. And something small that was kind of out of our control, you know, um, and that, that basically prepared me, you know, a lot more. I'm, I'm very safety conscious. I'm, you know, with the gill netters, most people, you know, I do a drill instructor class. I, I give, you know, classes with the survival suit, same thing you guys probably have to do with the coast guard now. Um, but it's very, very important. And I can't express, you know, that fishing's fun at all, but something like that, you know, is, uh, it could be very, life-changing can you walk um, us through more you maybe don't want to but can you walk us through like what happened once you saw water coming in and kind of that so what happened exactly was what happened we, we just uh we just hauled back yeah you know put the net on the boat big big tow 60 70 bushels of scallops it was really good scalloping it's basically i was just the third guy because he's on a shovel him out of the way just to do you know you only want to we were opening them all so we were only going to catch 80 bushels that night so whatever the limit was, we just hauled back. Mike put the boat in gear, and we're, and we're just going slow. You know, we just put a big bag on the deck. He goes, oh, we're only going like three and a half knots. It's a little weird, you know. And, you know, the boat's squatting. It's got a couple tons of weight between sand dollars, sand. He goes, all right, we'll just flush it out, and we'll probably get, get going. So we're going. We start sorting it. Not going any faster. No feel the, you know, the waves are going by the boat, but we're really not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, he throttles up more. Nothing really happens. Like, what? You know, we thought we broke the shaft. Something broke, you know, because when you're hauling back, you got the boat going ahead. The net's coming back. You're actually going in reverse because there's so much drag on the on the boat. So the only thing that we think could happen is that the rudder post when we were hauling, you know, twisted to one side and, and broke in the collar. Hmm. So now you've got a three-inch hole. Right. And I never forget, we popped the Freeman in the back. You know, we, I, I never, I hit it. As soon as I turned, I'm like, oh, that felt weird. 
like I felt like a, a different type of pressure. Right. And the thing almost just launched out of our hand. There was wow. so much water pressure in that bulkhead from the water trying to push in. You know, we immediately sealed it back down. Mike called the Coast Guard right away because we knew we had a major problem. And then we were figuring out we have a, a he had a bilge system, like a drop in bilge, you know, on a pump, like a Rule 2000 mm-hmm. that we could plug into the boat. And we're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to cut the deck. You know, you got, we just, we were going to hammer it or, or whatever we're going to do. We, we don't want to take the Freeman off because there's too much water coming in the boat. You know, it was just going over, it was started spilling over onto the deck running forward. Yep. So, like, all right, let's, let's just cut the deck. This is all at one in the morning, by the way, freezing out. So, you know, you're running around. We, we basically chipped the deck. And as soon as we hit the deck, the water's just pouring. We're like, okay, this idea is not going to work. So now Mike just runs it. He's got the Detroit pinned. We get going like six, seven knots. You know, he goes, fuck the scallops. We're just fucking throwing stuff off the back of the boat, you know, trying to get the weight up in the stern. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get the water. When we did that, the water rushed forward, okay, all the weight to the boat because there was more weight going, you know, with the lift. Yep. The air vents on the side started taking on water. Oh, fuck. Holy shit. Yep. And I'll never forget that noise. The Detroit's running, and then we heard a hiccup. I'm like, oh, no. I immediately go darting into the wheelhouse. I open the door, you know, into the engine room with Mike. We look. Both raycores are completely clear, not red. I'm just like, oh, no. And we knew right away. And it was just a matter of time. Maybe a minute later, motor conked out. As soon as the motor conked out, we had so much weight, we rolled right to one side. And the boat kind of like uh, like Jaws, yeah. tipped down, you know, stern first. We go upstairs, we get the raft from blowing rafts off at the seminars for all the years. We, we do it at our seminars. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike's like, go get the raft. I go up the raft, throw the raft in, pull the painter, blow it up. We all get survival suits, grab whatever we could possibly get, you know. And in maybe five minutes, you know, Mike Radio Coast Guard. We watched the boat sink right in front of our eyes. Maybe we were Shit. 30 feet away. And you watch the boat sink, and you, you see the 12-volt lights because they're wired to the battery. They were still on, and then all of a sudden, they just explode. And we were just like, oh, my God. Wow. You know, like, it's very – beside the fact it was 20 degrees out with the blowing northwest 25, doesn't help. But nothing can prepare you for that, you know. Mm. But we were all very well prepared with, the, you know, having the right, you know, immersion suits, having our ditch bag, having everything ready to go. Mike knew his job to call the Coast Guard last radio position. When we got in the uh, in the raft, then we pulled the EPIRB. So it was in with us with the raft. So we were all together. Yep. So that was one thing. We popped everything. We, we were popping flares. And we actually got picked up by another dragger. It was like. 40 minutes away but it was the longest 40 minutes of just drifting and getting our ass kicked and we got back to the dock and i'm like oh well, that's the last time i go scalloping you know and <laughs> oh, just wow. uh i remember rolling in to my house and uh my wife just looked at me and she goes what's wrong i'm like well it's gone you know because i i just got in my truck and she she expected me home at you know right around then i'm like she's like what do you mean it's gone i go well we sunk and then not you know the fireworks erupted. Yeah. You know, I called my dad in the morning. Dad, dad, I just want to let you know. He goes, you're right. I'm like, 
yeah, I'm all right. He goes, all right, no problem. Like, he goes. Yeah. He knows. He, he goes, yeah. He, he knows, you know, and, and so my dad always worries about me a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, always every parent would ever worry about. He goes, you spend 250 days a year on the water, every single year of your life, you know, for since you've been, you know, out of high school. He goes, it's pro- it's just simple stats, you know, the ch- more chances you are out offshore, you know. He goes, I was never worried. And, uh, you know, you told me, because, you know, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you're prepared for the situation, you know, and that's the best you could possibly do, you know. And I, to the point, I was like, wow, he's really not worried about, you know, like I was, you know, it wasn't one of those like movies where they're all hugging and anything right. like that. Goes, all right. You know, like you want a next sandwich? You know, like, what do you, want? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. oh, dad, I'm good. You know, like, no, I'm alive. Like, you know, we could have bent the other way. And uh, it's just a very humbling experience. And then the next night, which is, you know, terrible. One of uh, Danny Mears' boats got run over by a freighter. He's a monster guy. And that one really crushed me. They got hit by, a, you know, they were hauling gear and they got taken out. Oh. They were hauling gear. A freighter was on auto and they were hauling the gear and, you know, they didn't look and they got mowed down. Wow. You know? Wow. You know, and that one, then that's when it really hit me of, you know, you're going to work on the water, you got to be ready. Mm-hmm. You know? And Whatever you uh, can do to build that muscle memory up and, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, my body, you know, just like in a car accident, your body doesn't hurt. I was sore like three days later, you know, you got to go through the whole Coast Guard spiel with drug tests and everything. And, um, but everything else was good. You yeah. know, it, it's, it's fishing. We all love fishing. I love fishing just as much as you guys. It's a passion. And that's why you could do it for work because you don't want to be a fisherman and actually have to work. Yeah. In that sense, you know, yeah. you, you know, you do this for money, you're going to go insane, you mm-hmm. know, cause you're always behind the eight ball. I mean, everyone loves it, but you know, this is something that prepares everyone, you know, and it could happen in the summertime. Very simple. You can be trolling in 800 fathoms, you know? Um, and I tell everybody that these guys that go offshore to the buoy, you know, that tsunami buoy, like perfect example, you have a problem out there. You have a major problem, right? You know, the cutter is not coming for a long time, yep. you know. You're going to be swimming to that buoy, you know, and, and sleeping on it, you know. So you go that far off the bank. That's why it's important. Every Obviously, everyone's secretive and what, what you want to do, but you got to have relationships with everybody. There's people you don't get along with, but they're on the water every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's always important, you know, to uh, to do that. So, well, that's yeah, that, that, that was one of the things – you know, I, I want to talk about it when we're yeah, absolutely. I'm glad stuff, you. Glad it, it's you a very, it's a it's very humble, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I still think about it to this day on that date. You know, we all look through social media and just look at that date. I was like, oh god, you know what I mean? Like it, things could have went a whole lot different in my life. Oh, you yeah. know, you know, if if that didn't happen, we we weren't lined up, and you know, so you, you learn from that stuff. Yeah, you know. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. That was yeah. It's important, you know. Everyone's like, "Oh, you know, he, he goes fishing every day, rah rah rah." But that that one really rattle anybody. Yeah. You know. Well, rattled me. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Well, it, it could happen. You know, like when we were fishing up on Georgia's all those years. I spent a lot of time on Georgia's. You know, those first three years. You have a problem out there. You're you're far. You're going to Canada. Mm-hmm. Canada is the closest spot. You know. I mean, we towed, uh, I remember I towed Sterno home a good portion of the way and Ray Ray, 
one time. He broke down out there, and we don't leave anyone. And we told him, you know. I'm, I'm pretty not- sure all those guys. I mean, you, you know, Pratt. Well, everyone has a toe home from Georgia's story. Every single one. <laughs> yeah, horrible. You know, to the cultivator show through the, you know, uh, it's all always rough, and you know, it was always it's that's a definitely a humbling place and something you could do some stories on there. Yeah. But, uh, but I really appreciate the, the time with you yeah, guys. Thank, so, thank dude, you very thank much. Thank you so much. But before we actually sign off though, so seminars, what does your next couple months look like with seminars? So if people want to get more info from you, you know, so we are doing, I'm doing a couple different seminars. We do one that I'm involved with at the Canyon runner, which is going to be, I believe it starts this Saturday. We have a couple Saturdays, uh, I think four or five scheduled right now, um, where you can log in, you know, and, we each do one hour breakout sessions. Same thing we would normally do like in Atlantic city, New York, but we're all going to do it online. Um, anyway, and then we're going to do one, going to do a couple nights with Damon Sacco on Thursday nights. Um, so that's going to go on for four or five weeks. And then I have a couple private ones where guys hire me out, you know, to say you get 15 of your good fishing buddies. And if you're comfortable, one, one guy's comfortable with me coming to the house or whatever, and we go over stuff and, you know, we could do anything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't mind doing it per se. You know, and I'll, like I said, until you learn how to apply everything, there's no real secret. There's mm-hmm. no more secrets in fishing. It's in, you know, there's up to the minute information. You know, mm-hmm. you could upload pictures from offshore with a VSAT now if you have it. Um, but it's going to be a pretty busy schedule. And then all while managing the private boat, you know, I got a lot of projects going on down there. Where I go, back, I've been going back and forth to Florida. I spend about 10, 12 days down there, and I come home for a week. You know, make sure my house is still here and you know standing. Rig up some tackle that people want me to rig up for. Then um, go back to Florida, start another group of stuff, and then if uh, the owner's coming down, we go fishing for a week here, a week there. Um, got a pretty big yard period this year, you know, so it's it's gonna be. You know, I'm busier in the winter than I am the summer. Fishing's the easy part. I yeah. tell everybody. You know, fishing because you just know you're getting up and going to fishing. So, and in April is I, I dread April. We I do just t- absolutely we do dread. You do, you, and we don't dread <laughs> like you're fired. You're excited, you know, to get rolling, but holy uh, shit, it's an absolute yeah. grind. Oh, so I got. You know, we have two private boat. We have a big CV, and we have that. So I got projects going on, and I'm both because I'm OCD. I got my three gill netters, you know, we got massive always projects going on and those things, you know, and we got to be in the water early. So you got to work in the cold. So I got to manage my time of when I'm home and, and working, you know, and, and, and getting those things up and running. So when I walk off the plane, I come home and I grab my bag and I just leave. I'm home for an hour and going right offshore. So, um, that's basically my whole entire life, you know, <laughs> a sleep of three hours, I'll sleep on the plane I'll sleep on the steam out, go haul the gear, come back, run back to Florida, go back to AJ Boatyard, bring this boat there, uh, steam up from Florida, then go horseshoe crabbing, you know, at the same time. And it's a whole slew of – I'm self-inflicted. I'm an asshole. Right? I, just bury, <laughs> I just bury myself. But – and then here comes May, and everything's fine. Yep. You know, like I'm out of the boatyard. I got all the projects done and everything. I'm, I'm the right. I can't sleep. I'm working, you know, two in the morning, like, you know, I'm, I'm up building tackle, get this done. All right, I'll, I'll do this. And I'm sure we're all the same. We all probably 
we all get up early. You get more done between 3 a.m. and 9 a.m. than the entire day. The, old, the day's over at 9 a.m. We're, we're with you there. We're yeah. with you yeah. there. I've been playing through episode like titles in my head throughout this whole thing, and I think it's just going to be Captain Mark Decavia, the machine. What was the, what was the squid <laughs> title we thought of? Oh, I can't remember. I'll go back and listen to that one. That was pretty yeah, good. No, too. it's uh, <laughs> you know, and you guys have seen me all over the place, and it's nonstop. And I, you know, I, or you know, the I Terminator. Put some stuff, yeah, the, ter- the Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's funny. Everyone's like, oh, you, you go here and you go there, you know, and you know, I put some stuff on social media. You're here today. You're gone. You know, it's a lot of logistics of, you know, mapping everything out and, and planning it, but, you know. While I'm on the, you know, the whole time, I already got three different lists of stuff I'm fixing on the yep. boat, tackle stuff, this stuff. That's all I do on the plane, nonstop. I don't I sit there, I listen to music, I just write my list, what I'm going to do, what I got to order. And being prepared is is 90% of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our, just like our, I said with our top shots, we have our Ballyhoo rigs done for the entire year. You know, everything is done. There's not one thing that Brian and I haven't, we have sea bass rigs if the, the bosses, Kids want to go sea bass fishing. We, we're, you know, we have backups to the backups, so I don't have to worry about. I got to switch over and do this and do that um, at the same time. But yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely fun. If if I didn't enjoy it, I would I would not be doing this. You know what I mean? And, and I have to stay busy at this pace because I can't sit still. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm already thinking. I'm like, oh, what else are we gonna do today? You're gonna rip this down. You go spool five new seventies pull loops do this even though i have all week to do it i have to get it done today you know today you know (laughs) you know before the storm that's coming you know we're supposed to have a snowstorm you know like i gotta get it done now so i could do this tomorrow or you know i'm sure something else will pop up but you know that's uh but i definitely enjoyed it you know you know talking with you guys you know what i mean yeah definitely uh you guys get a chance you know i know all of our schedules are hard it's the hardest thing you know that's what like seminars we get to see each other get to hang out just have a couple beers relax you know do something like this but you know we all work together in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. we're all on a a pen protein together you know so we we do meetings and and but it's you know always nice to know that how different people do different things and everyone has the same results you know and that's what we've always had on on all the boats i work on the same result but different ways to go about yeah. you know doing it yep. yeah. you know which yeah. is important you know you've guys seen it you know galvin he does he does his way a lot different than i do mine you know <laughs> and i always laugh like what are you doing you know and, but he he has the same result at yep. the end of the day it's the same amount of fish very very good fisherman you know so that's that's part of it it all starts with the passion and you definitely prove yeah. that in this conversation yeah um, no if you don't you don't have a passion don't yeah, don't you bother. Know, don't bother. But don't bother. And, and that's what, you know, I've had a lot of good teachers, like I said, you know, you're only as good as your crew. And I, I've had a lot of, uh, I, you know, the guys I'm friends with are my favorites, you know, guys like Cookie Murray to Paul Stern to, you know, all different people in the industry, uh, Nick Rulo, you know, and from all shapes and sizes of all the, you know, it's important, but we all, you know, have the same passion mm-hmm. that each other has. Which is important, you know, which is good. Super important. Well, thank you so much, man. This has been great. All right, fellas. I'm going to right. do our, our quick sign off. Yep. So leave you with OG's words of wisdom. Remember, you can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. 
always trust your instincts. And the last one, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight, everybody. Thanks, man. Thank you. We'll touch base with you later. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. We just want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Mass Bay Guides, Costa Sunglasses, Deep Apparel, LT Marine Products, and Black Oak LED. Make sure you guys check out all those companies. The websites we mentioned at the beginning of the episode and the description of this episode. Take advantage of the promo codes that we have through the podcast and um, and support our, our partners and support the show. For the latest content, uh, podcast info, fishing reports, general updates, please make sure that you check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Seabros um, Fishing, Mass Bay Guides, or our personal accounts, MBG Taylor and MBG Brian. Um, if you have ideas for podcast topics, podcast guests, you know, where they're on there all the time, very responsive. Please don't hesitate to to reach out and um, and uh, shoot the breeze with us if you, if you want to talk fishing or if you want to just brainstorm on the podcast. Um, also, if you are interested in getting some Seabros swag, uh, maybe one of our Tuna Mark patch hats that seem to be pretty popular. Uh, we came out with buffs this year that have like a wolf pack on them that are pretty cool, like a wolf pack of tuna or whatever fish species that you like to mark on your fish finder. Uh, those are also available at the Seabros website. So just visit seabrosfishing.com right there on the front page. You can uh, scroll through the the gallery of products that we offer uh, so far. That's all we have for you guys today. Thanks for listening and stay tight.